There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I was driving and they just punched me, slapped me. I was bleeding straight away. Like I needed a new toilet brush. <laughs> you, you open up your phone and there's an ad for a toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> Where you've got health and safety incidents happening on these sites, absolutely people are worried. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. If you use the tumble drawer, if you have a tumble drawer, you will already know that is the thirstiest bugger in the whole house with regards to electricity. It literally sucks juice out of the wall like a thirsty child in McDonald's. You know this already. What you might not know is it's a fire hazard in a way you'd never have expected. It's a fire hazard after you've taken the clothes out of it. The clothes themselves could be a fire hazard after you take them out of the flipping dryer. Now, I will tell you why later on or tell you how later on, but this is coming from Aviva and it's been reported this morning in the Irish Independent and reading it has frightened the living life out of me. I hate the things anyway. If I had my way, I wouldn't have a tumble dryer in the house. I hate them. Absolutely hate the things. They're handy, but I still hate them. Um, but you need them in Ireland. You really do need them in Ireland. But um, they're very risky things. Keep an eye on that. I'll come back to it during the morning. It's pancake day. I'm not a big fan. Um, there are certain things I love, but most of the traditional pancakes I can't abide. They're just too sweet. They're just a plate of flipping sugar. Can't be dealing with that. But there is a particular pancake that I love. And I wonder if Jack O'Keefe will bring it with him for me or something like it. He's here with me after 10 to talk about pancakes, cork style, cork twists to pancakes. I'm much more a savoury man, so... So we'll see how that goes later on. It's Pancake Day. It's also Shrove Tuesday today. So tonight's kind of the last hurrah before Lent, if you do Lent anymore. Uh, in Carrigaline and in Balancholic, there have been reports of a lot of break-ins to cars. People breaking into cars, doing no harm to the car, doing no, no visible damage to the car. How are they getting in? 
some kind of an electronic gadget, it would seem. We'll catch up with that. But we start this morning with a trial that, as you know, we are following very closely uh, at Cork's 96FM because it concerns the death of our dear friend and C103 colleague, Paddy Palmer, who passed away on the 8th of January 2023. He'd been involved in an accident on the 29th of December 2022. And a man called Bodan Bezverki, 33-year-old, from Rigsdale House, Rigsdale, Ballinhasic, has been before Cork Circuit Criminal Court on a trial, among a number of charges, but on a trial of dangerous driving causing death to Paddy Palmer at a place called Dunkerine Cross in Shannon County, Cork, on that day, December 29th, 2022. Now, the trial began about a week ago, or slightly longer, and the jury went out to consider their verdict last Friday. They came back into court yesterday, and then, literally, all hell broke loose. Olivia Kelleher Court reporter was in court. Olivia, this happened at Cork Circuit Criminal Court. Judge Colin Daly was in the at the bench. In all my time in court, I only ever saw cases collapse half a dozen times, but this one did. Why? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. As you say, uh, the jury started deliberating on Friday and they resumed their deliberations yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. And shortly before lunchtime, um, the guard Paul Jones, he was the sworn jury minder. Um, he brought it to the attention of the court that he'd overheard a juror um, who said that he, the juror was telling the rest of the jury that he'd made a decision at the weekend to go out to the crash site. And you know yourself, PJ, if, if you go out to a crash site, you kind of come back with a few ideas. He was discussing what he thought and uh, Garda Jones, quite rightly, had to bring it to the attention of the judge who declared a mistrial. Mm. People might ask, what's the problem? The problem is simply this. A juror or jury must make their decision based only on what they've heard in court, Correct. That's correct, PJ. And and you know better than me, you've, you've sat through enough of them. But at the start of any trial, the jurors are given warnings about you don't go home and discuss the case. You only listen to the evidence that's in court. You don't, uh, trials must have been so much easier before Google. You don't Google it to see if this person has a previous conviction in, in this area. You uh, You don't chat to any of your neighbour's friends. Any evidence that you get has to be from what you heard in the court. I mean, even the barristers, when they outline the case, uh, always say this is only an outline. You might hear differently. So there are warnings, repeated warnings given. So I suppose it's a very unfortunate situation, not only for the grieving family, but for the accused and the barristers who put in so much work into a a trial which lasted over a week. so, so it, it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, it leaves the case in limbo. I suppose it'll go back to the DPP to see if there'll be a retrial. But it's it's as one of those unfortunate things that that does happen. Um, I mean, I heard a judge Helen Boyle yesterday with a different trial. She was giving them the warnings, and she said, even when you go out at your lunch with with your fellow jurors. You can't discuss anything to do with the case. Talk about True Detective, talk about Coronation Street, but do not talk right. about what's right. happening when the trial is ongoing. That's right. It's very strict. And I've heard judges, the great 
late great Paul Carney, who was the most senior criminal judge in the country, I've heard him give juries lectures, literally short lectures, on what they can and can't do. So, Judge Daly declared a mistrial. He discharged the jury. He said, he, he used very strong words. I mean, he, he said... He was. Very strong words. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no, you... Said, you failed in your duty and your oath because you failed to conduct the trial in a proper manner. You were directed not to conduct your own investigations, but one of you has done that. A fair trial cannot, cannot now take place. You were discharged in those circumstances. Now, PJ, I suppose while it's an awful thing to happen, in one way, it proves just how how fair Irish trials are. Um, If this trial had gone ahead, if any trial has gone ahead where prejudicial information or incorrect information is introduced, the outcome isn't safe. So while it's devastating in the moment, it is for the best that this guard are brought it to the attention of of the of the judge and that that this uh, trial was declared a mistrial. Yeah, a fine, diligent guard because he he brought, like you said, he brought it to the attention of the judge. Because again, for for listeners who wouldn't be familiar with the inside of a court, how these things work. So, if it were a thing that Mister Berevecki was to have been convicted, his legal team could seek recourse to appeal, and they could go into appeal and say, "We've learned that the jury was tainted." End of story. And it's not uh, an easy thing for a guard to do. I mean, he had to go into the box and what happened was he was going through the jury room and he overheard something. He didn't even know which juror it was who was saying it. Did the judge ask him that? Maybe. Uh, what the judge did was the jury were brought out and uh, it was put to the jury had a discussion of this nature been held and the four person of the jury said it had. So it was never actually determined or there was no attempt to determine who it was. And I'm sure that the person themselves, I mean, it's it, it's hard for them as well because this was a misguided attempt. You know, they probably meant well and, and didn't. there was no malice in it, but it was a dreadful error on their behalf. There was a time when they used to send jurors to a hotel to stop the, things like this from happening, but those, but those days are gone. Um, so poss- possibly a retrial now later in the year. Possibly a retrial. And uh, PJ, um, I, I'm dying to find out about the, the tumble dryer and what's going to happen to me with, with my tumble dryer. <laughs> I, I'll have to read that in the Irish Independent or listen to you in a while. I'll tell you in a minute. A very, a very quick question, which is a relevant one. Were the jury at any point, Liv, taken to the site? Because that does happen sometimes. They weren't. Um, I know there was another case. I have a memory. You might remember it. it was it Liam Manley, a man a few got years Got it in one. Got it in one. And they were brought to the site, yeah. yeah. They were brought to the site. And I think it was the conviction quashed at the time. Um, and I think the case went... I remember the case, but I don't remember what happened afterwards. Yeah. I do remember I do remember them I, yeah, being there and brought there to the site. I think there was a subsequent conviction in that case. But it, it's, I can only imagine as a as a family member of, of the late Mr. Palmer how, how difficult it is. You go in every day, you listen to this evidence or any any family... And then when it comes to a situation where it collapses like that, it, it, it's it's devastating for, for them and for, for, of course, the accused sitting through all the evidence. Yeah. It, it's difficult all around. All right. Liv, thank you very much. Livia Kelleher, uh, court reporter. Yeah, you know, that when that story dropped yesterday uh, at lunchtime, Liam Heedon broke it, actually, in the examiner. Fair play to Liam. I'm almost sure that Liam has a little camp bed in the courts because he almost lives there. But he, I think he gets credit for breaking the story.
at lunchtime yesterday and what Liv is saying there about family and friends and whatever, like this is close. Potty and I, I speak on World Radio Day, my friends, which is very important to all of us here, but Potty was one of our radio family. So Potty to me and to Fergal and to Emer and to Barry and to everybody in this building and everybody in C103, Potty was family. So if we felt shock and upset at hearing that yesterday, what the hell were his actual family and friends feeling like? Anyway, what happened has happened and we'll see what happens after this. Um, the judge has discharged the jury, declared a mistrial and it now goes back to the Director of Public Prosecutions. 0818 96 96 96. I promise I will tell you what Aviva are saying about tumble dryers because it is a bit scary. We all know that an unattended tumble dryer is a dangerous thing. We all know that we shouldn't go out of the house and leave the tumble dryer on or unattended. We all know that. What you didn't know, I'll bet you, is that at the moment people are trying to save energy. They're using shorter cycles and less temperature and this, that. There's something happening with tumble dryers and clothes dried in a tumble dryer hours after they came out of the tumble dryer. Tell you later. 0818 96 96 96. There's a spate of break-ins to cars. We know it's happening in Ballincollig, and we also know now that it's happening in Carrigaline. The Carrigaline notice board on Facebook is littered with incidents of break-ins to cars. Very, what you might call, skilled and sneaky break-ins to cars. Sandra's one of the victims. I'll talk to her next. 0818 Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. So, a spate of break-ins to cars. Sandra, you live in Onabwee Heights in Carrigaline. What what happened? Good morning. How are you? Morning, PJ. Saturday morning, my husband got up and he got one of these ring doorbells and he called me and he said, somebody was in your car last night and um, hadn't heard anything. And anyway, went down, had a look and sure enough, somebody had been in the car. Some young fella looked like, kind of looked like a teenager, you know, mid-older teenager maybe. Yeah. Got into the car, went through it. Didn't steal anything. There was no damage done. I don't know how we got the door open, but there was no damage done to the lock. Just ransacked it through everything around, you know, emptied the glove compartment, the, you know, the little pockets in the, the door, the drivers and the passenger yeah. door. Um, took the stuff out, threw it all around. And the only thing was my spare set of house keys was in the car. Did he get them? He did. Yeah, he took them. Yeah. Yeah. So Saturday afternoon was spent here with the locksmiths changing all the locks on the door. He didn't try to start the car, no? No, 
no, no, there was no, no, he didn't, no, no. Very, very quiet. Now, we had him on the, the video, you know, the, the ring doorbell thing. He was on the, he was on the video. Yeah, these are very handy things. A lot of people seem to have them. You get them on Amazon. I'm sure you get the mail service. Well, they just take a picture of what's at your door. That's right. Yeah, it, it goes off if somebody approaches the door trying to make the noise inside. And um, and it records. So we actually had, he was recorded. No, not for very long, but he was recorded opening the car door, looking around to see was anybody, you know, looking anybody there and going into the car. So we we had him on we had him on video and we handed that over to the guards. Okay. And then you went to the notice board, the Carigline notice board, and found to to say the very least, you're not alone. No, no. There were two other cars. Um they got into he or he got into two other cars here. We were a very quiet little cul de sac. He got into two other cars here on the same night. And Actually, on on Saturday, my, my husband was out talking. They were out talking to the neighbours. We were waiting for the guards and what have you. And um, my husband noticed a car parked opposite the house. And he said the door was slightly ajar and the key was in the ignition. So, kind of, they had a look at the car. My husband the, the other neighbours had a look at the car and what have you. And it turned out that that car had been stolen a couple of days before. And we're assuming... This young fella had it. We don't know. But um, it was actually abandoned here across from the house. Now, you're just going by what you got from your uh, doorbell video, but it was a fella on his own, was it? Well, we only saw one. Yeah, there was only one in my garden, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking down through the notice board now, and lots of people have handed over footage. And... uh, some reports of just people on their own, some reports of a gang. Yeah, well, we we only saw one. We only had one. We you know, we didn't put the video on the notice board. We just gave it to the guards. Um, but the guards were saying that it's that they're going. They had been out since seven a.m. on Saturday morning, calling to houses, um, like ours, who had who had found them. He said that, and I think they came to us around maybe around lunchtime or 12 o'clock-ish maybe and they'd been out calling since 7am to all the different houses. But he said it's like a contest between these between these young fellas. Um, like one, you know, would say, right, how many cars did you get last night? Oh, I got four. You know, you only got three. So the one who only got three will aim for four or five the next night. And have you, you any know, idea, Sandra, how he opened your car? Some kind of technological... No. Geekery, I think. Well, I know there. there well, I, I know now that there's some sort of a gadget that through the through your door or through your window. They, you no, know, we didn't see him do that, but they can zap your remote or something. Yeah, and you know, like your car remote, and that enables them then to to open your car. I don't know whether he did that or not. Yeah, have you one um, of these cars, Sandra, where the door opens as you walk up towards it? <laughs> not at all. No, <laughs> no. You, you just have a button on your you have a button on your yeah. keyring. Yeah, like myself, yeah. like yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. So they're yeah. able to, even without you pressing the button, they're able to sense it. Yeah. So I don't know. They're getting very, they're very sophisticated. No, I don't know whether that's what he did use. Yeah. Um, I know. I was in Dublin a few years ago, and I locked my. Well, I didn't. My daughter locked 
the car keys inside the car. And we rang, I, eventually I rang the local Garda station to see could they do anything for me. And he, the guard actually got the, the lock open with a credit card. Oh, lovely. So, you know, they, he could have done that. I don't know. I, it was definitely locked. Yeah. You know, we hadn't left it open and neither had anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Here who was done, you know, so. And no damage done to the door. It wasn't forced, nothing like that, no? No, no, we checked. Yeah, no, no damage done to the door. No damage done to the lock. And and it sounds to me like that when you handed over the footage to the guards, they'd had plenty more footage before that as well. Oh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually thought that the guard that was here, well, the, one of the two guards said he thought they might know who it was. Yeah. And they, they kind of probably do. You know, probably isn't your man's first harass. No. The the downside for you is that you had to change your locks. I had to change the locks. Yeah, and I had only just the all new security locks fitted in September, so anyway, look at That's not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. No. No. No, so that was just, that was the nuisance really, but you couldn't take the chance. No. And not get the locks changed. No, I'll give you a laugh now when I have you there a couple of months ago. I had to change all my own front door locks because I thought I'd lost my key. And what did I do? Paid the guy for the locks. I sat into my car and there's the key. I have to say that was my fear. <laughs> I would go back out and I'd find the keys. But I knew I knew where I'd left them and I knew they were, that was the first thing I looked for when I went out was to see where the house keys still there. You know, and Jim, um, and like we searched the car for them, and they, you know, they definitely, they were definitely gone. Um, but it was my fear that if I'd gone back out, you know, that they were somewhere in the car. At least if he comes back now looking to get into the house, he can't. Sandra, good talking good to time. you. There's a, there's a lot of this going on in Carrick Line. The, the notice board is overrun with it. Yeah, and I was really surprised at the response I got. I just posted it to make people aware, you know. And to you know, for people to be more careful, and I, I couldn't believe the response I got. Sandra, you have a good day. Thanks very much. Thanks, PJ. Good to talk to you. Thanks, million. You're welcome. Yeah, if there's anybody else that's had an experience like that, and those, those little ring doorbells appear to be fierce, handy gizmos altogether. Um, <clears throat> but that's Sandra's experience. Anybody else had their car broken into? They don't seem to do any damage, and whatever way they're opening it. It's some kind of an electronic gadgetry that they are using. I'll come back to that. 0818969696. All right. I better tell people about the tumble dryers. Someone says here, we never tell us about the tumble dryers before we go to work. Well, look, even if you miss it at work, you can get the podcast afterwards. But Charlie Weston, good friend of the show, of course, is writing in The Independent today about Aviva Insurance and something they've pointed out with regard to tumble dryers. Uh, they have said they're seeing a spike in claims for fires associated with tumble dryers. And some of these have involved the clothes bursting into flames after being taken out of the tumble dryer. And this is down to uh, not safely using the dryer. They spoke to a senior loss adjuster at Aviva, a woman by the name of Gillian Devereaux who said that, obviously, we know tumble dryers can pose 
a serious fire risk if they're not used properly. But she said, currently to save energy, a lot of people are washing their clothes in water at lower temperatures. Of course they are. That reduces energy costs. But sometimes there could be oil or grease left in the clothes, tiny residues of oil or grease left in the clothes because maybe you haven't washed the clothes at a hot enough temperature to fully remove them. Then they can go into the tumble dryer and be further heated up. Now, they won't necessarily take fire inside in the tumble dryer, but when they come out of the dryer, they're sitting there exposed to the air with hot oil and grease residue in them. Hot oil and grease residue that can remain just about hot enough for some time so they can spontaneously take fire under the wrong circumstances. And according to the adjuster from Aviva, they've had cases, rare enough, but they've had cases where laundry, your clothes can literally burst into flames as long as, as far as six hours after they come out of the dryer. And this is down to people using water that's at a lower temperature to save energy, but also... There's a period where you're supposed to leave the clothes in the dryer to let them cool in the dryer. This is something else you mightn't know. When you switch off the dryer, you're you're supposed to leave the clothes cool inside in the dryer. You're not necessarily supposed to take them out when they're warm. We've all done it. So there's the advice from Aviva. If you are washing your clothes at lower temperatures, which we are to save energy and if you're putting them into the tumble dryer afterwards, we are, because the weather outside is absolute crap let them cool let them cool in the tumble dryer before you even attempt to take them out of it that's the first bit of advice but be wary, also have a always have a working smoke alarm in the same room as the tumble dryer, never leave the tumble dryer unattended, never ever ever go out and leave the tumble dryer on in fact, don't go to bed at night and leave the tumble dryer on. That's kind of old advice, which has been around for a while. I said to you before, and I'll say it again, and I'm sure Queen Bee would agree with me if we lived in better climate. I wouldn't have one of the damn things in my house. I wouldn't have them in my way if I thought I'd get away with it. I hate them. What a passion. But, apart from the fact that, like I said earlier on, they they suck electricity out of the wall like a hungry child in McDonald's. But, yeah. So be careful of that. Don't take the clothes out of the dryer while they're still hot. Particularly if you have used water that's not as as hot as you'd normally use it in the washing machine to save some electricity. So there you have it. Thanks for that. 0818969696. Now maybe, now maybe uh, that caller can go to work with peace of mind but don't leave on the tumble dryer when you're going to work will you for God's sake don't 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 don't. 0818 96 96 96 yesterday we were talking about clamping last Friday James Toomey from Boys and Girls of Knocker posted this uh, over the weekend there was a funeral in Ballancolic or a removal in Ballancolic on Friday evening and there was car park cars parked in a car park nearby nearby to the the funeral home, 
It's it's at the it's at the, the Ballincollig shopping centre. It's it, it's the one, is it, Eames, down there near the, near the cinema? Is that the one? Uh, the older one behind Main Street. Yeah, now down now near the cinema. It's it's private by day, not the actual cinema one. The geography of the area. It's not the actual. It's a private one. The one by the library. Thanks, Emer. The one by the library. And by day, that's a private car park for library and other businesses around the evening. Anyway, people were being clamped in there last Friday evening, well after close of business. People who were at a funeral, one of them being uh, my colleague, uh, C103 man, uh, JP. JP, good morning. Good morning, Peter. You got clamped there last Friday. I did, yes. And uh, on the outset, the funeral you mentioned, of course, was our colleague, Maria Tuwik's grandmother, so sympathies to the Tuig family on the passing of Annie. Uh, when I was approaching Ballincollig that evening, huge crowd, or a lot of people were queuing up for the funeral. Uh, traffic was quite busy, and I wasn't too sure was it because of traffic on a Friday evening in Ballincollig, or was it due to the funeral? And it was due to the funeral. So when I turned into the funeral home, uh, the cars kind of directed themselves through the parking next to the funeral home, which I know is uh, private and you can be clamped there. The traffic moved up around a back road, which brought you onto Station Road. And from there, people more or less automatically decided to park in this particular car park, which when you drive in from that side, there's no lighting, there's no signs. And the actual car park itself is dark. There was no public lighting and no private lighting. So when a lot of people got out of their cars, you looked around. I, I couldn't see any major signage to say that this place was uh, pay parking and that you would be clamped if you were parked there because it was pitch dark. So we left at the car park uh, at around 7 o'clock, made our way over to queue up for the funeral to sympathise and came back to the car park at 9 o'clock. So we were in the queue for two hours. Uh, and when we came back, PJ, I could see other cars clamped and mm. then I saw my own clamped. And a man who had been clamped came over to me and goes, there's information on your windscreen of what to do. So I rang the company. You had to pay 90 euro for them to come out first to, before they would actually come out and unclamp your car. You had to pay uh, the 90 euro. Mm-hmm. And then they advised on this automatic messaging system that it could take two hours before a patrol officer would come out. Now, there was older people there who were quite upset, as you can imagine, PJ, yeah. uh, seeing their car in, in that situation, and they were quite worried. It was also a cold night, uh, and they didn't know if they'd get home in time or would they be late going home because many mm. had travelled uh, from county areas. to. A question, college. JP, while you're to interrupt you, is it a pay-and-display car park? Pay-and-display, it seemed to be, yeah. yeah. Afterwards, when we had to go looking, and that's the thing, there was a chipper across the way where locals came over. They saw the, the camping and they initially went, what's happening here? We explained to them, and one man and myself walked around with our torches on our phone, looking for the signs. Now, the signs are there. We did find the signs, but my point is, if you're going to have it in that situation whereby it's a 24-7 car park for, for camping and for paying display, well, on the entrance, like you would see in, in others in, in Clarny and County Towns here in Cork, have the sign on the way into the car park, lit up. So yeah. if it is nighttime, it is dark, at least you can see them. It shouldn't be up to people who park in the car park to go looking for these signs. That's right. And an awful lot of those paying displays, and you, 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 I know the Killarney one particularly well because I use it a lot, the big one mm. there, it, there's no fines after 6.30. That's the thing, and like parking in the in the city, uh, as you know well where you're based there on Wellington Road, I mean, you know, during the day you can barely get out of the car and they're looking to, to <laughs> find you, but after 6.30 or 7 o'clock, it is free to park there and you would presume that would be the case elsewhere uh, but obviously not in those areas in Ballincollig. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were caught like, like you said and moreover this is a car park 
serving the library, serving some businesses, and yeah, during the day they're entitled to to keep the spaces for their totally, customers. Yeah. But it's just seven o'clock on a Friday evening. Exactly. I mean, you can so understand why it's there. And if, if it is, as I said, if, if, if that's their method, that is fine. No one's arguing against that. But just light up the signs on the way in so people who are not familiar with the area know if they are going to park there. They do need to pay in display. And they do also realise that if they don't pay in display, they will be clamped. That isn't made. You, there's no signs there showing you that unless it's bright, unless it's daytime. But there was no public or private lighting advising this. From the main street in Banning College, there is a sign saying pay and display, and that is it up coming in from the main street. But coming from Station Road, there's no indication. And when you're parked there, and when you're going to a funeral, and you see no signs, I mean, a lot of people would have been upset going to that funeral. And they, they were, the last thing on their mind was looking around the car park for a sign. It should be made visible, and that's the main uh, issue here. But also, the other thing is, when we were speaking to those locals who came over to, to us, there was about seven, I think, in total people affected. At that time, there could have been more, and uh, maybe more after uh, I left. But they all made the same point. They weren't at the funeral, uh, the locals that came over, but they knew there was a, a huge funeral on in Banancolic that evening. Everybody in the town knew there was a massive funeral. So you would think for the sake of it, knowing there was a funeral, knowing that there was no parking, yeah. people weren't going to take the chance to park it in a, an Aldi or a Super Value or a Tesco because they have signs up saying one or two hour limit. People were trying to do the right thing and this is what happens. I mean, everybody knew there was limited parking and a huge funeral on. So it was kind of targeting those who were uh, attending the funeral in one way. It was very unfortunate. JP, thank you. JP McNamara, producer and presenter indeed at our sister station, C103. Thanks, JP. 0818969696. There's a new thing. I've not seen this before ever. There's a new thing around the Mercy Hospital called ethical clamping. Okay. It's like they give you a warning. This is in the little car park near the Mercy, next to the Mercy. They leave a note saying that your car wasn't entitled to be there, but it's ethical clamping. They give you a warning before they're clamping, kind of saying, well, if we catch you here again, we'll clamp you. Because they know it's a lot of people visiting sick family members and maybe there with a sick child or whatever and might have gone in there in a hurry. Do you know yourself now? Ethical, Ethical clamping. Never came across it before. Never, never came across that before. There's a first thing for everything, I guess. 0818969696 on the subject of clamps. We also had a voice note in from Valerie. Hi, PJ. Just on the clamping there, um, a few years ago, my son was clamped out in uh, CIT, MTU now. So, like, the parking situation was crucial out there. And they, as you know, the bus service wasn't great, so... We got a little old banger for him. He insured it himself and off he went. I'd say he was two days out there. He was clamped. So in temper, he got out his toolbox because he's kind of handy with his car. He got out his toolbox, took the wheel off his car and they came along the truck while he was doing it. They said, you know, that's illegal. If it's jumped or whatever, he said, it won't be jumped at all, he said. And he threw it back into the back of their truck. There you go now, he said. And they were just laughing at him and off they went. He put the wheel back on his car and went into college. But it's terrible for the students, like, it's ridiculous that they can't park, you know. Now, it was a legal parking space, but maybe he was just over the line on a space that wasn't, you know, he was squeezing, it was a, it was a small car. But, um, so, yeah, and he parked there again the following day and there was nothing, he got no clamp. So, yeah, it's awful. Thanks, Valerie. 083 by the way, pop us a voice note on WhatsApp. 
for whatever is on your mind, even if it's something we're not talking about that you want to draw to our attention. Something else, my own particular experience from a few years ago, we have two cars and I have them both on an app. This The company, APCOA Apcoa, they have an app. So when you go into one of their car parks, you go onto the app and you park your car. Fine, and it's it's not that expensive. It's about two on two thirty an hour or something, whatever it is. And in Douglas, the, the Douglas Wood and Mills car park is lethal, absolutely lethal. And everybody in Douglas knows that. But they have this thing where you can park a car overnight. Now the charge it's about eight quid, I think, in or around. So you might get from seven in the evening until maybe ten the following morning. So if you're going to be down in Douglas and you're going to be having a scoop, then put the car in there, pay the few quid, come along in the morning, which I did. I was down there for an event, actually, in the South County. This is a few years ago now. And I was hosting a quiz at the South County. And I was going, I knew I'd be having a point or two. So I brought the car down and said I'd left, leave it there and uh, paid my parking. Lo and behold, following morning, arrived down before my appointed time, and there's a clamp on my car. And I thought, I paid. I flipping paid, and I had the receipt on my phone. And it, What had I done? I have two cars, so two different regs. I had put the wrong reg into the app. So I rang them, and I said, lads, come here a second. I have... Two cars on that account, you can see it. I parked one of them, but I should have put in the other number. Surely I've paid for my parking anyway. So where's your problem? Uh, they weren't having any. No, in the end, I think they, they allowed me to appeal it and I got my money back. But that's the kind of experience I had. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Cox 96 FM Listen to Cork's 96FM on your smart speaker. Press play and step to the beat. Simply say, play Cork's 96FM. Here's a man I haven't spoken to in a while, Ed Harper. Good morning. Ed, you you said Eamon Ryan has issued an order that could lead to the death of blind people. And, of course, you are one of those. Ed, good morning. Hi, um... Yeah, it's not all a one-man problem, of course, like everything in, in, in politics. But he is, as the minister, um, is the one who has accelerated the whole thing. Um, he issued an order apparently last August, but it only really seemed to be having effect in recent months in a big way. And what it is, um, people, I want people to imagine this, OK? OK. If you're, if you're a blind person or a person in a wheelchair or what a lot of people would know more is, is a parent with a, a young toddler or in a pushchair, and you're going along a main street, the side streets would normally have curbs. Yes. Okay? Now, if you're a blind person, those curbs you use to, as, as markers to know where you are down the street. You count the number of streets. Okay? Yes. Now, from 2000 onwards, under the... Um, Equal Status Act, Section 19, I'm informed, um, the curbs were supposed to be ramps so yes. that you could, you know, and 
very sensible and a good idea and no problem to blind people. But this has been interpreted, as I say, this ministerial order came out in August, apparently, which accelerated the whole process, is it's been interpreted as councils as a way of um, putting in paving across the end of the street, effectively creating an additional speed bump, which, you know, if you want a speed bump, grand, um, but you shouldn't make it the pavement because... In some cases, they're as little as a metre and a half wide. Yeah. And particularly if you're a blind person or if you're a small child or an old person whose balance is bad, um, you can come off the edge of those. Oh, the camber on them. Now I have it. Yes, as they call it in engineering, camber. It's the slope on it. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, they, they talk about ramped crossings, Okay, It's supposed to be ramped for the people, not ramped for the driver. I see. Okay. And the, 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 it's a question of, it's the usual story, it's a, depending on how you translate the words, you know. The council's correct, they are ramped crossings. They're ramped crossings for drivers. But the, the way they've got round it now, since last August, is they now, instead of talking about ramped crossings, which is in the 2000 Act, they talk about continuous footways or continuous pavements. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they are, except suddenly they get narrower... And we've got no indication of where the hell we are. And I'm a member of Voice of the Visually Impaired, which is the uh, representative organisation for blind people in this country under the UN Convention, which this country signed. And there's no consultation whatsoever with us, or as far as we're aware, anybody else. Maybe possibly with Vision Island, who are service providers, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But suddenly, out of the blue, these things are being landed on us. And it used to be the odd one. The first one we know of was 2003 mm. at the Spire in Dublin. Maybe, Ed, for the benefit of someone who, who wouldn't quite get what you're saying, as a blind person, so you're walking down the main street, we'll say down there in Skibbereen, and you are want to come up and turn into a specific side street that you know, and you know this by touch, and you know that by counting the streets, etc., etc. How does this change affect you personally? Well, this this would mean, effectively, you wouldn't know where you were. Because, now, this is the same with what they call shared space. Um, you know, some of my best friends are Dutch, but apparently, I'm told this, uh, this whole idea came from Holland. Um, I don't know quite why people of Amsterdam don't have the same problems we do, apart from the fact there are more bikes. But it's... The problem is, I'll give you a a practical example. We have one member who has had his ankle broken by being hit by an electric car that came at him quietly from the side. Because he He wasn't aware of his company. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to happen to, to, you know, as I say, mothers with toddlers that are going across, not looking down the side street. I mean, they know they're still walking down the street they want to be on. Why would they look down the side street necessarily? Because, of course, your, your friend who was hit by the car was convinced he was still on the pavement because there hadn't been... He was. Yeah, he yeah. Was. He was on the pavement. He was he on the pavement, yeah. Pavement, yeah. Yeah. So is it, if there'd no been a regular else. step, he'd have known this is a street. <clears throat> well, yeah. And, I mean, they're okay for, uh, say, wheeled uh, pedestrians, you know, um, wheelchair users or prams or you know, that kind of thing. Obviously, an actual curb is a bit of a lift and a bit of a nuisance. But the ramps 
uh, the, the, on the, you know, on the edge of the curb is the answer. And also, I mean, I worked a guide dog for 46 years and, you know, the ramps are, are not unhandleable. You just have to, you know, the dog can be trained to a ramp if it's straight ahead. Right. If the ramp's coming from the side, what are you supposed to do? You know, you. A, a person and the guide dog is close on, you know, a metre and a half wide. Yes. Which is the way with some of these, you know. It's crazy. <clears throat> it's, it certainly seems seems dangerous. Ed, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Ed, of course, blind, uh, lives on Cape Clear, but up and down frequently to the uh, towns and villages of West Cork. I, I've not come across this, so this is where you, the, instead of breaking for the side street, the pavement continues across the gap with a slant on each side of it so that the blind person is on the pavement but they can be hit by a car, an electric car because they can't hear it or they can't see it rather and they can't hear it. Seems dangerous, doesn't it? And this is part of this keep pedestrians and bikes prioritised etc, etc. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I got one. Speaking of disability and disability provision, I got word at the weekend that funding. Now I I need to read into this because I have the documentation. I just haven't had a proper look at it. Funding for Irish Sign Language interpreters for public services has either been cut way back or cancelled completely. I must have a look at it because the Deaf Association was talking about this the weekend and I got a phone call about it from a friend of mine who's a disability activist and said, did you know this? I said, no, I didn't. Well, you do now, he says. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture the minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 966 I got my first one this morning, by the way. My very first one. And I will be treating it with kid gloves so it doesn't get damaged or dented or scratched in any way. I will treat it like it was a delicate jewel. I will treat it like it was an egg. Tell you what it is in a minute. 0818969696. I seriously got my first one this morning. I was both excited and disgusted at the same time. 0818969696. The number of the text to WhatsApp 0833969696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. This thing about the tumble dryers, which has come out this morning in the Irish Independent, I will go through it again in a minute. The warnings from Aviva Insurance, speaking to our pal Charlie Weston at the Independent. Aviva, who do house insurance, of course, they've come across a number of claims of fires caused not necessarily by the tumble dryer itself although they are a fire hazard particularly if you don't clean out the lint and stuff but clothes that were in the tumble dryer that you took out of the tumble dryer that subsequently burst into flames I kid you not I kid you not it is happening and Aviva have a number of 
cases of it. So I'll come back to it. Actually, is there anyone listening to me who's had a strange experience with a tumble dryer or a frightening, a frightening experience with a tumble dryer or a dishwasher or a washing machine? Or didn't we talk to a, a lovely woman last week from Mayfield? Her first name, was it Laura or Linda? And she had a house fire, God bless them. And it was caused by an air fryer. The air fryer wasn't on. It wasn't cooking at the time. It was just plugged in on standby. Uh, and it started the fire. So appliances can be very, very, very dangerous. You're advised, for example, never leave the house while the tumble dryer is going. I would almost add the washing machine to that. Never leave the house while the washing machine is going. One thing that I like a lot of people do at night is they run the dishwasher when everyone's gone to bed, you're told you shouldn't do that. It, it's convenient because it's nighttime electricity, it's a little bit cheaper, and all of that. And you have a lovely uh, collection of nice clean cups and saucers and plates and cutlery and all that for the breakfast in the morning, but you shouldn't do it, or so we're told. Come back to it 0818969696. Now, Ed was on to me before 10 about this change in how pavements are work set up in such a way that's affecting blind people and he was describing how if you walk, if he's walking along now in Skibbereen because of the way that the pavements are laid out he doesn't know when he's on the right side street that he's supposed to be going down because when you're blind you count the side streets you pick the right one from you figure out your position on the street and you, you can't do that now because of the way the pavements are laid out and he's blaming a ministerial order from Eamon Ryan. BB, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for making the call. What would you like to say? Um, basically, I know exactly what um, your um, what Ed Harper was talking about. Um, I'm in Skibbereen. So, you know, these raised crossings, essentially they look like a speed bump. Um, there's no paint on them, zebra crossing style, to designate them as a pedestrian crossing. And I've actually witnessed an altercation between a lady with a push car, you know, a baby in a pram, and a truck driver, where she was convinced she had right of way over this raised crossing, and the truck driver was convinced he had right of way. Um, so I think a bit of paint would certainly clarify the situation to mm. motorists because I can understand their confusion. They essentially look like speed bumps for slowing people down. And if you're a motorist and you suddenly get someone stepping out in front of you, your chances of hitting them are quite high. The, the law says a pedestrian always has the right of way and a person with a buggy would be a pedestrian. So one would have thought the law would be very clear there. Well, exactly, exactly, that's my point. But just to make it absolutely clear to motorists, if they could just be painted with stripes, I yeah. think that would help. Um, you know, for blind people, this must be becoming quite tricky to negotiate. Mm -hmm. Well, as Ed said, as a blind person, you, you count the side streets before you come to the right one. And because you're on a pavement, you may not be aware that you're passing a side street. Exactly, and you're suddenly in the road, totally oblivious of that of that fact. And you know, especially as there are more and more electric cars, you can't rely on your your hearing as much either. Yeah, and in a busy a busy town like Skibbereen, and yes, there's a lot of motor noise around there. But the electric car that's coming up silently beside you won't you won't exactly. hear it. You won't hear it. Exactly. Bibi, thank you. 
Good call. Appreciate you making it. 0818 96 96 96. On clamping, Jess got onto us uh, by voice note to 083 396 96 96. This is following up on clamping in Ballancolig. Hi PJ, just in terms of the camping out in Ballancolig um, and the gentleman who was on the radio, I'm a local of Ballancolig and I have been clamped in that library myself in Ballancolig. The ticket people in, and the campers in Ballancolig are like hawks. You, you like Within a second of being somewhere that you shouldn't, they will camp you. But I think the locals in Ballancolig are well aware that you do not park in the library. But I don't know if people are aware and just to make people aware because it's unfortunate that people were at a funeral and they got clamped. It's, it's very unfortunate. But down at the end of the library, if you go into the library and you drive down to the end of the library down at the back, all those spaces. So from where the library entrance is, the community resource centre um, entrance, from there down, they cannot camp you. So most of the spaces there are reserved for the resource centre workers, the library workers. But there are a few, I think there's three or four spaces that have no reserved um, sticker on them and anyone can park there and they cannot be clamped. Those spaces are not paying display and I've used them hundreds of times. So you're safe if you drive into that paint display car park, but you pass down the library park. You literally see there's like an indent coming out um, from the path and that is um, safe to park down there. Just to wanted to make people aware. Jess, thank you. Thank you for that. Bit detailed, a bit of detail in that, but thank you, Jess. If you ever want to get involved in our conversations and you don't have time to take or make a call and you don't want to sit and write and type a big long text, just pop us a voice note to 083 396 We kind of prefer them to texts anyway because they get the voice on the air, the voice of the people, so to speak. I told you that I got my first one this morning. I didn't tell you what it was. I have it here now. Ah, I, I tend to pop in on my way to work for a bottle of water. Um, still water I go through a few two litre bottles of them in the week in the summertime and go through one a day but there it is this morning I got my bottle of water with my little R on it and my barcode it's the first one that I've gotten so my first my new my first new little bottle with its sticker on it and its R and its barcode and its 25 cent tax on top of it um, and something else we'll have to tell you in a second. Uh, so it was my first one. So I'll treat that now like it was an egg for fear I dent it or scratch it or bend it or bruise it and I won't get me money back because that's what it feels like. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Morning, PJ. Uh, can you put this out there? I was just thinking about the new bottles and cans deposit machine. I'm a customer of Country Clean. Now I'm to bring my cans and bottles back to the recycling machines and not to Country Clean. So they're not collecting as much anymore. But I'm still paying the same. Uh-huh. So should the cost of recycling from Country Clean be reduced? That's a question from Brian. Our in-house bottle tax correspondent is Damien Sreenan from the Cork's 96FM newsroom. Damien, what I've been watching all week, as I said, I got my first bottle this morning now, but I've been watching... Broken machines, machines that don't work, that won't scan the barcode, that won't give you the receipt. It's it's having a lot of teething problems, isn't it, sir? Morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm still searching for my first, so I'm glad you, you got yours. Um, 
it's um, yeah, it's it, it seems to be a lot of confusion. I think since it started, um, a few teething issues, um, and even on the I suppose the date launched, you know, we, everyone had been told no logo, you know, you don't pay the positive, and it, it, it turns out that that wasn't the case on the launch day. Um, that certain some some stores had start charging the, the deposits, mm. and there was no logo, so you had to, I think, return Ireland then brought out the barcode scanner so I think at t- so at 10 o'clock they were saying no logo no return and at 4 o'clock it was actually oh hang on a second mm-hmm. you might be charged on it and the only way you'll actually know is by your receipt Yeah, um, and you, you could then go to the machines and they would take your barcode but some of them barcodes weren't working you could go into the website and do a barcode check to see would it work and um, so I look at the initial day itself was, was quite confusing but it, it doesn't seem to have earned out much since um, I'm seeing a lot of people having issues with um, bottles that won't return uh, even with the logo yeah um, there's I, I saw a post today on Twitter um, it was a machine in a little and there was five or six black bags full of bottles just dumped alongside it um, so it seems there there is seeding problems so I've I suppose some stores don't have the bottles in, some stores do. Yeah. Um, and I think the only way that people will know, and this is the thing, is your receipt. People will have to get a receipt. Yeah. And that, that's where it'll show if you've got uh, a deposit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been teething, but I'm, I've spoken to a few store managers and they, they, you know, they're, they're saying it has been a bit of hassle to them, but, you know, it will earn itself out. And they have until May 1st. To get rid of all their old stock, mm-hmm. um, and from May first, everything will be in totally. Mm. Um, but that's the yeah. It yeah. seems there's a bit, of, a bit of confusion. But the question it, it, it that people were it. asking as well, demo this thing that we can't crush or dent or the, are the machines crushing the bottles? Because if they don't, they're going to get full very fast. Yeah, if you actually again, I haven't been able to find a machine. I haven't been able to find a bottle to use yet on the machine, but the um, it does. You can you can hear it on a few videos that once it scans the barcode, it goes and you can hear it being crushed inside. I see. Um, so so it it does that. Now there's a few stores and um, so some all retailers had to sign up to this. So they have to have an exemption or they have to have a machine that it's literally. I think it's it's legal. It's illegal. Or that all retailers must be either exempt or have a machine. Um, and some of the smaller stores now are getting these small machines in. Um, and I spoke to someone, he's a local shop up by myself, and he said he'll be emptying it himself, you know, daily and then putting it on the storage or on the side uh, and in return will come and collect it. But there seems to be a lot of machines out of order at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, and queues, I spoke to uh, someone who went to Dunn's in Bishopstown. There was a bit of a queue. And he said, oh God, like, you know, am I going to wait here kind of thing? So, it looked at seating problems. Uh, I, I think... I spoke again, having spoken to some people, um, they probably felt that maybe we should have started having the logos all coming in on stock by November, December, January, and on the first of February, just turn on the machines. So yeah. No deposits charged, and then immediately on the first of February, everything should have a logo at that stage. All the barcodes should be registered, and you know, turn on the but machines. You see, that would be first. doing things the right way around, which in this country we tend. Not to do. I found an old video from Norway going back about 10 years. And I remember I saw one of my Facebook memories that I thought it was a good idea the way it works in Norway. And indeed it is. Now we've started doing it here. And a week into it, we have just problems every single day. So when you haven't got, you haven't gotten a bottle or can yet. 
No, and I have got, I have got searching. Um, there's one 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 thing as well, and I, the big one is you must make sure the receipt. So I can't stress that enough. Your receipt is the only way you kind of know because some stores have the price of the deposit built into the price tag. So if you see a can of coke for one euro, mm. that might have a, that might have fifteen cent in. Other stores will have the price as one euro fifteen. Mm. Um, you know, so outside of it, sorry, eighty five cent, and they have a, little, a sign on the left of it in includes a 15 cent deposit. Yeah, and they're only supposed to add that on at receipt stage, isn't that right? Because I have a receipt receipt from Tesco this morning, the one out there near St. Finbar's, which is the one I'm in probably most often, and I bought a two-litre bottle of water and it goes through and the the deposit is added at the end. So it's added to my actual price and there I have, I can see it on on my receipt. So, so that's that yeah, twenty five cents on, on on top of the bottle. If I go back, I'll it's really back. important that people have the receipt because some people haven't been able to even with the deposit charge. Some of the barcodes aren't recognised. Now, I do believe that retailers are responsible for finding a barcode that doesn't. So, if it has a deposit and the part the customer can't return it the machine, the retailers have to input that barcode into oh. their their retailer login. Mm. Um, I, I noticed someone online saying that they had to import 755 barcodes, I think, oh, no. um, manually um, to, to register them with the deposit return scheme. Um, just one other big one is that from the 1st of May, if people buy imported drinks, so, you know, these American drinks that you can buy in the likes of Super Values yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Pop yeah. and stuff, um, it'll be illegal to sell any imported drinks that don't contain the return logo from the 1st of May. Uh, yeah, so tons of products, but, and the the big one is that producers are probably saying it's not going to be cost effective for them to have to relabel their drinks to just for a deposit return scheme in Ireland. That's ridiculous. So the likes of craft craft beers that might come from the north or the UK, um, they will have to. They, it'll be illegal for them to be sold without a deposit return logo from the first of May. Yeah, I'm thinking of a drink that we're particularly partial to in my house. It's a, it's a, it's a ginger beer, and you have to get mm. it from a, a, a an Asian store, or it's it's an independent product. It's not stocked by the big multiples anymore. That will be gone now because that's an imported product, and we'll probably they. they they either have to relabel it or not sell it anymore. And that's what producers have. I've read, read a few articles and some producers have said that it's, it's not going to be cost effective for them to to re, re, rebrand just for the Republic of Ireland for little sales. Um, so that's, that's another one that's kind of popped up. But look, uh, the, the general consensus in the retailers are, you know, it's it's a good thing. Um, yeah. So, and they did say, look, there's teething problems. There is. Well, we have until May 1st to sort it, but you know, the big thing for, for listeners is keep your receipt. If you've paid a deposit, you you are entitled to that back. It, it may not go through the machine, but the store will have to sort it out for you. The, the stores can, the maximum a store can refund you, I think, is one euro fifty. If you have a deposit that's over one euro fifty, you have to get in touch with Return Ireland. Ah, uh, what? That's if it's a manual and there's a bit of an issue with it, yeah. <laughs> That's what they, there was so a, there there's was only a ten bottles. There's only ten small bottles. Was, yeah, there was a brief sent out to retailers. I think on Friday, <laughs> uh, pretty much saying, you know, we'd ask you to give them one fifty, <sighs> and then anything else we'll, we'll go through it. Damien, thank you very much, sir. Damien Sreenan, um, our bottle tax correspondent at Corks ninety six FM. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on. 
tumble dryers. PJ, just letting people know, please tell them to hoover, to what? To hoover the base of the tumble dryer, the fridge, the freezer and the dishwasher. Does anyone ever look under their appliances? Because it's full of dirt and fluff, especially freestanding ones. Not just the floor under the appliance, the base of every appliance. And also clean the fluff out of your hairdryer, says Anne. Well, Anne, the hairdryer's fine. Are you actually asking, are you actually suggesting, Anne, that I pull out the fridge or the tumble dryer or the dish and tip it up and hoover the ass of it? Okay. Oh, wait, one eight nine. I suppose it probably is. If we're going to be totally safe about it, it probably is the right thing to do. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie. Cox 96 FM. We're having a laugh here because we're talking about a story I'll get to afterwards. There's a fella in London. He's Irish, by the way. Um, he's a barman and he owns a few places in London. And he, I'll tell you more about it afterwards. He claims that Guinness can be poured in one pour instead of two. And I'm going to be talking about more about it later on. Jack O'Keefe is with me. And before we talk about pancakes, Jack, you, your eyes, your eyes went to the two sides of the room when I said that. Pouring, pouring Guinness in, 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 in one pour. So irritating to hear something like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? There's too much talk then about pints. Just drink it. <laughs> you see, there's a man out of my own heart. Jack, it's great to meet you at last. You've been on the show, of, I don't know how many times, and I didn't meet you once since I had an RT, but you've never actually set up with me, and moreover, you've never brought food. Before. Oh, I know. And you're even more handsome in person, PJ. Uh, uh, <laughs> flattery will get you absolutely nowhere It's Pancake Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday What have you brought me? So I brought you a couple different types of pancakes Using phenomenal products from Cork One little product from Kinmayer But he's on the Healy Pass So we'll claim him anyway But we'll talk about him in a few minutes uh, I brought you two different style of pancakes With a couple different flavours on them, right? One of them is your fluffy American style pancake, which is nice, and you're staring at it here uh, quite intently. And I've split into two. On one side, you have a sweet version, okay? Right. And it's using Binwar Loire's chocolate from Kinmare that's for sale in the farm shop in the Rinna Market. It's white chocolate, pistachio, candied orange. He hand makes all these chocolates up in the Healy Pass on the Cork Kerry border, and it's phenomenal. And all I did was I just made my pancakes and sprinkled over. I will post the full recipes on my social media so people can head on over to them and get the full recipe. And I'll give them to the lads here in the studio so you can post them as well. Uh, and then the other side of the American side of pancake, I got them for the full American touch, only with a Cork twist. So I got some of Jack McCarthy and Kentorks cherry smoked bacon I was going to say is that rashers it is it's a rasher and I just cooked it until it was super crispy and then I chopped it up with a knife and then I sprinkled it over my pancakes with some Union Hall raw organic honey drizzled on top of it that's why it's shiny that's why it's shiny this honey is incredible I should tell you Jack over the years I've always said I, I, I don't understand the attraction of pancakes and then I went savoury a few years ago. My favourite pancake is a traditional one, like you've got there on the other plate, with chicken curry in it. So a I, I, I am a pervert. 
<laughs> Basically, <laughs> you're not. It's actually it's a very very it's very popular way of having pancakes in the likes of India and Pakistan, and it's called a roti. Roti, and you just remove the sugar from your classic Irish crepe skinny pancake. Just remove yeah. the sugar from it. You can put a little bit in for flavour. Yeah. Maybe put a little bit of curry spice into it. Cook it the exact same way, and put your chicken butter curry or your tandoori, right. and it's a great way of making a home kebab. It's lovely. Now, what am I having first here? So I'm going to give you a fork, right? Right. Here you go. I would start with the savoury first. So get some, oh, of, the get some of Jack Max rashers on top. Little paper bowls. We're all, we're all sustainable, by the way, in case anyone's giving out. We're all sustainable here. Little cardboard bowl. There we go. So I, oh, look at it's that. Look super at that. crispy. The I sweetness take it all of the honey. Oh, take whatever you want. Right, here we go. Have no. a try. So this is this is um, tr- American style pancakes, which is the fluffed up ones, right? And it's got rashers and honey. So pancake. With rashers and honey. Yes, I am pawing at it because I can't, haven't got a knife. Because I forgot a knife. There we go. Mm. Oh, dear. Can we have the rashers and honey on their own, actually? It's good, isn't it? My God, that's fantastic. Those rashers are phenomenal. He, he Himself and his son, Tim, have a credible business over in Kentork. And mm. they just do. I used to I actually started my foodie journey when I was about 17 or 18. I used to go there in the evenings to work and to learn how to break down meat and cure bacon and stuff like that, as if working as a young chef wasn't enough work. Uh, and the two guys, they showed me pretty much everything I know about even talking in public and on a mic, on a camera, whatever. Mm. And their bacon is out of this world. Outrageous. As you know yourself, uh, when Queen Elizabeth II was alive, she feasted on Jack Mac's black pudding when she was in Dublin Castle. They're crisp. And the next one I'm going to show wait, you. Wait, I'm, I'm, hang on. When do you put the honey in? At the very, very end. Just uh, as I'm plating. Oh no, know, as I'm plating. So, cook off your bacon. Right. Crumble it up, or even leftover rashes from your bacon. Just right. chop it up with a knife. Make your make your pancakes. Pop them onto the plate. Pour, like, cover it in the in the crispy bacon, right. and then just drizzle the honey over it. That's it. In the in the states, you use maple syrup. I'm just using honey instead. No, no, honey's nicer. And this honey is phenomenal because the bees are in the same valley. There's no watering down. You won't see in the back of this label. You won't see a blend of EU and non-EU honey. You, you won't see that. that. It's a hundred percent Union Hall. Every yeah. single ounce is from the Union Hall and Glendore part of West Cork. And you can, if you if I was talking to the actual honey producer himself, he'd probably say, oh, "You can smell and taste the seaside off it." Well, you know what? It's lovely flow inside in that jar. Honey, they say honey is the one food that does never go off. It doesn't. So they found it in an, um, was it one of the bog men that they found in the bog? Right. They found inside in his satchel uh, some honey. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That was, what, a million years old? Something, I've gotten that completely wrong, but it's there, thereabouts. I get it. Right. So the next one, we'll move over to, the, to some okay. of uh, Benoit's white chocolate pistachio. If you want to have a taste of that, now, this pick is, it up like a kebab. Okay. Yeah, now this is... Again, it's traditional, but it's kind of... Okay, to describe it for people, even though Kelly's taking video and we'll post it later on. So this is a bit like a pancake with green cream on it. I presume because the chocolate is melted. Yeah, starting to right. melt down in the warm yeah. pancakes. Mm. I, like, I wouldn't be a big massive fan of white chocolate, but with the pistachio folded through it and the candied orange, it's just... It's so oh decadent dear. and incredible. Now, here's the thing. I would... This would be much nicer on a traditional thin, thin pan. There's oh, too much of a pancake there. Yeah, there's too much. There's too much pancake and not enough chocolate. But that's gorgeous. It's quite expensive chocolate, no? so I'm going handy. I am from North Cork, you know, so I kind of have a little bit tight. No, that's <laughs> now, for the classic ones, and these are special. I actually posted the full recipe video of these right. on my social media account over the weekend. Um, they are your traditional Irish pancake. I'm going to cut them up for you, PJ, because right. they're a little bit messy. Traditional Irish pancake, just like your mammy would make, mm-hmm. except I have stuffed them with Second Street Bakery's toffee brittle, made out in Carrigaline, right? Do you know your dime bar? That's devil's food. Oh, and sure, look. That's devil's food now, Jack. Right? Second my, Street Bakery. My wife would be after you because she'd be telling me I'm doing my arteries a disservice here, but sure, who cares? It's pancake day. Right. So, so it's like a jumbo dime bar inside in it, basically, where I have to smash it up with a mallet, crumble it into the pancake, fold the pancake over while it was still cooking, and just let it melt into it. Right, so it won't get stuck in my teeth, like dime bar does. Or won't chip a teeth either. <laughs> oh, holy moly. Mm. Oh, me. Oh, man. It's lush. And that's their mint flavour as well. So it's, you can get that subtle kind of spearmint, pepperminty flavour off it. Yes. Now, if you have little ones at home, just let it cool down a little bit because it is molten hot toffee and it will absolutely burn someone's tongue out of their mouth. Oh, man. Good. Oh, dear me. There's only one thing needed after that. Shiraz. <laughs> Shiraz. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And I've... Oh, actually, sorry, and it just spread across Tofford. If it wasn't sweet enough, I've just taken some of Fallon mm-hmm. out from uh, Ballyvorney McCroom area. Mm. They are caramel and Irish cream liqueur spread that you can get in most Irish supermarkets. Mm. And again, look, it's a lovely Cork product. Uh, I love the packaging. It's absolutely gotta, stunning. This, this is like Irish cream liqueur. You're, this is like Bailey's jam. Pretty much, yeah. Bailey's caramel. <laughs> yeah, Bailey's caramel. 
You're welcome in my house anytime, Jack. You know that, don't you? <laughs> no problem, PJ. I said, call me over whenever. I'm always around. So, you, and, and there, you don't do the savouries on the traditional, do you? Oh, you can. You can do whatever. It was just late last night. I came home from work and I started throwing together pancakes. Right. Was, and I just opened the drawer of the cabinet and I started pulling out all the, the most cork ingredients that I had for yeah. my own snack cabinet yeah. instead of making pancakes. Because the one, to, when you're doing the recipe on the pan, the, what used to put me off was there was so much sugar in them. Yeah. But there's not, there's a lovely balance in those. Like my pancake recipes actually have very, very little sugar in them. Because I like to make my batter, we'll say, on the Monday night. Yeah. And just have it in old milk bottles or whatever, or lunchbox yeah. or Tupperware. So that we can decide at that moment whether you want to go savoury or whether you want to go sweet. It's up to the toppings, it's not up yeah. to the pancake. Yeah. Do you know? Because yeah. there's the thing, you see, if the pancake itself is too sweet, no matter what you put into it, it's going to overpower the flavour. Exactly. But as well as that, I, I honestly, I'm, like, I don't put much thought into this stuff. It's whatever's knocking around the house and you come home from work on pancake shoes. That's the best way of doing it. But I'm a fiend for just a classic castle sugar and lemon juice. Yeah. I love it. That's what yeah. I grew up on. You give know? me another bit of that to my diaper. Go on. Well, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a chunky piece here now. That is, that is like, oh man. You better save some for the lads outside because they're, be, they're already queuing up at the door. That is, oh. Jack, Tell us where we can find you these days. So I'm always hanging around the Marina Market area, um, hanging around down there. We have a lovely little farm shop down there where we sell lots of lovely Irish and mainly actually Cork produce, vegetables grown out by Shannon or uh, an organic veg grown mm. in Donrill. And we support a lot of lo- little small local suppliers. And most weekends I'm actually in there doing little cookery demos. So if anyone's ever around, pop in, say hello. I'm always around for a chat and I'll, cho- I'll happily choose someone here. you doing this live like? Doing this live, yeah, on a Saturday. So this Saturday coming, we actually have Victor Franca from Nua Asador inside doing a beautiful skirt steak sandwich recipe on Saturday at 12 a.m. Or 12, 12 midday, I get confused. Right. Jack, great, thank you. Happy no problem. Tuesday. Thank you for coming in. Jack O'Keefe, this, excuse me, I used to be cynical about pancakes. I am a believer. Chef Jack O'Keefe, you'll find him on socials and Insta and all of them. And Farm Shop IRE, Farm Shop IRE is where they've other products and the Marina Market and everywhere else will be, we'll be sharing it. And uh, Kelly was here doing some video as well for the 96FM socials. So you'll see that too. You'll see me stuffing my face with, with a pancake that tastes like a dime bar. I mean, hello. And rashers with honey on them. I mean, hello again. 0818-969696. I was mentioning my first bottle uh, with the recycling um, logo on it and chatting with Demo about that. Here's something I didn't tell you. And look, this I'm not blaming the people who work there, but it's the place I go of a morning, and that's the Tesco down near St. Finbar's there. It's very, very handy on, on my way into work. And I like, I've a... I'm very partial to Tesco's bottled water. I don't know why, but and there are many others out there. I know that, but I'm particularly partial to Tesco's. I like, and I drink a lot of bottled water. And their two-liter water bottle was forty-five cents before the war in Ukraine, and then the war in Ukraine messed everything up price-wise, and it's been about eighty-five cents for the last while, which for two liters of water is still dirt cheap. And I like it. It's very nice water. And I went in this morning and there's my bottle of water with my little R, Recycle and Reuse and logo on it. So I thought, right, I'll be paying a deposit on that. So there's my bottle of water. It's costing me not 85 cents, but 95 cents plus the 25 deposit 
they have also put the price of the bottle of water up 10 cents. And I'm hearing that this is happening rather a lot. That as well as the deposit going on the bottles, there's also a sneaky couple of queer, couple of pence coming in as well on the bottles. 0818 96 96 96. Anne was back on. She said, yes, PJ, do tip up your appliances. Tip them up and clean underneath them. I do it four times a year. You'll be shocked at what you'd find. Freestanding appliances. See, the thing is, Anne, most people have their washing machines kind of built into a unit. Their fridges built into a unit. Their dishwashers built into a unit. You're dragging them out. It's an awful Unless unless they're going to find money under them. I know what you're at, though, and I know what you mean, and I appreciate it. 0818969696. You might remember on the 30th of January, which is a week and a bit ago now, Gerard Quinn was on from funeraldirectors.ie. There was a scam where fake Facebook pages were looking for credit card details so you could watch online funerals. Um, both Cork Bio and indeed Shane Murphy on Twitter have a timely reminder now to watch out for fraudulent pages relating to Matthew Healy's funeral, which of course is taking place today. Thank you for that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Cork's 96 FM. Listen. Listen. to your favourite shows on the go. Download the Cork's 96FM app. Marie says it's a lot of money to be added on for people like me who can't drink their tap water because of the way things are. I paid €16 extra between price increases and the bottle tax on my water for the week. I know I get some of it back, but that's a chunk of change. So it is, Marie. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the number of people who had died by the time an ambulance got to them. That has increased over the last eight years, according to figures from HSE. Last year, uh, for a hundred, just over 1,100 calls made to the National Ambulance Service, the person was dead by the time the ambulance arrived at their home. That's up a hundred on the 2022 figure. A thousand people in the course of 2023 for whom an ambulance was called, they were dead by the time the ambulance got there. Go back to 2016 and the total for the year was just over 650. So there really is an increase. Look, some people are just not going to make it. That's true. They're just not going to make it and the ambulance would be on its way and with the best will in the world, if, if Max Verstappen was driving the ambulance... It wouldn't get there on time. But these figures were released to the leader of the N2 party, Padder Tobin, who joins me. Padder, I expect you'd, 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 you'd have to acknowledge that, that if Max Verstappen was driving some ambulances, the poor person wouldn't make it. That, that's going to happen. Good morning. Good morning, PG. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Unfortunately, there are going to be cases where ambulances are called and the person will die before the ambulance arrives. And that's just... The, the way of the world and, and that's just you know the, the nature of illnesses or accidents but what we see here is that you know there's been a massive increase in terms of the number of people who are dead 
before the arrival of an ambulance, uh, just in the space of about eight years. And AIMTU has been tracking these figures and tracking a number of different performance indicators in the health service over the last years to identify what are the serious difficulties. Last week, we brought to um, people's knowledge the fact that GPs were no longer taking people on their lists and that in many cases, it would take about a week for a person or even 10 days for a person to get a GP um, appointment. Hmm. So these two issues are actually quite, uh, they're linked in many ways because what's happening is people can't get GPs. And so they're going to the A&E instead. And the A&E, as people all know, uh, right around the country is stuffed. It's really suffering significant uh, numbers of, of people and people on trolleys. And what our evidence has shown is that many of these ambulances are arriving at A&E and due to the fact... Pedro, could you move your phone a little because it's gone a bit funny on me. Apologies. That's better, better that's better, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. so what's happened is that uh, ambulances are arriving at A&E's. They can't deliver their patients because the A&E is stuffed and it can take at least an hour for the ambulance to be able to deliver their patients. Yeah. Uh, and that's holding them back. So we, we had a case in my own region recently where 11 ambulances were stuck outside an A&E waiting to deliver a patient. And um, that meant that those 11 ambulances were simply not available for four counties in the region for the whole night. And, you know, that's a, a significant problem. And the figures mm. bear that out. So we know that it took 76,000 occasions in 2023 it took for more than an hour for the ambulance to deliver uh, their patient to well, A&E. Was that a second? Because when I was reading the figures that you got, I said, that's got to be a misprint. So someone was picked up by ambulance, brought to the emergency department, and before they could get in and get handed over to the staff, who I have no doubt rendered assistance from the moment they arrived, but by the time the ambulance could get back on the road, it was over an hour, and that that happened... 76,970 times in one year. In one year. So it is a regular experience now that there's a snarl up in terms of the delivery. Ideally, an an ambulance should be in and out in a speedy transition. And that would mean that it's free then to pick up other patients elsewhere in the region. But that's not happening because the A&Es have become dysfunctional. The A&Es are dysfunctional because... People can't get access to GPs and can't and and, can't, and go to the A&Es, but also because the government has closed down a rake of uh, hospital beds over the last 10 years and because there's an awful uh, lot of people who are what's called clinically discharged in hospitals, but because of no step-down or home care packages, they can't leave the hospitals. And what clinically discharged means is that it's a person where the doctor has said they can do nothing else for the person and the person, you know, is is needs step down facilities or a home care package, but they're not available. So the person is stuck in hospitals. And we know today there's roughly about 550 people in a hospital bed because they, they can't leave because there's nowhere for them to go at the moment. So mm. we're seeing all of this dysfunction in the health service is now affecting significantly the ambulance service. And the other aspect here is you know, we don't have enough ambulance workers uh, and indeed many paramedics are suffering burnout at the moment. Tyler, we don't have enough ambulance workers. We don't have enough ambulances and yet it's only a couple of months ago since I actually spoke to Irish paramedics who are commuting from Cork on a cheap Monday morning Ryanair flight. They're commuting from Cork to London to work over there because there's no jobs for them here. Something's badly broken. 
There is, like, again, you know, you can see where last year 447 doctors emigrated to Australia out of a class of about 750. And if you were to open up a shop uh, in any main street in this in this country, a sweet shop, and you wanted to employ people, the first thing you'd have to do is to make sure that your pay terms and conditions were attractive and competitive. So it's the same as when you're employing people in your radio station. If you want if you want good people, you have to pay the right rates and you have to make sure the terms and conditions are correct. And we have an international market in terms of healthcare workers at the moment. Paramedics, as you say, doctors, nurses, etc., can get better terms and conditions of pay elsewhere. No, no, no. no. When the better terms and conditions in pay, they can get jobs. They can get jobs. Can. That that that's what the, the the person that I spoke to is commuting from West Cork on a Monday morning, and I said to her, "Is it the pay and conditions?" She said, "No, it's the jobs." Well, that's interesting because when we put those questions to the to the National Ambulance Service, they maintain that they are finding it difficult to recruit uh, due to the fact uh, there's just the 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 skill sets are not available to them, and um, so you know I, I have no doubt that it could be the case as you say, that it is jobs in the case of the, the National Ambulance Services. But definitely, in terms of doctors and nurses, it's because of the fact that the government are not paying the equivalent yeah. wages or terms and conditions. Well, it's, it's, kind of a, it's, kind of right it's kind of a rite of passage, isn't it, for every newly qualified doctor and or nurse, but certainly doctors, it's almost a rite of passage to go abroad for a year or two. And you'll find that pretty much every experienced medic in the system has spent time and some of the best of them spent time abroad learning their skills in other parts of the world so going away for a while is part of it but but, but I will say that if you ask you know uh, doctors for sure they'll say as part of especially consultants as part of their progress through their career they try to get experience from you know other, other countries etc but cur- currently there are surveys being done of classes uh, of doctors who are quite simply s- stating that because of the terms and conditions, because of the overcrowding in, in the hospitals, mm-hmm. and this is really pertains to the nursing profession, overcrowding and burnout is a significant push factor in terms of people leaving this country um, mm. for, for work. And, you know, Simon Harris, when he was... Part of health, the reason for the burnout it. is that there's so few of them left. If they're all... Like, we, what we really need to address is, yes, it's normal for so many people to leave for a while. Why are so many of them leaving and not coming back? And you're right. It's, the problem is there's a domino effect. So if you don't pay people properly, you have lower numbers. If you have lower numbers, you have more pressure on fewer shoulders. If you have that, then you have burnout and people leave. But remember this, there's a, and this is the really important point for, from the patient's perspective. Because of the government's refusal to properly resource this space, we have a significant increase in what's called adverse effects or adverse yeah. incidents. Yeah. So Ainsley put in a parliamentary question there recently, and we found from the minister that there have been 500,000 accidents in Irish hospitals in five years. And 3,150 of those ended up in the death of a person. And those accidents have happened in the main because of the pressure being put on staff. So Simon Harris carried out research himself, which indicated that the fewer staff you have on an on a ward the more likely mm-hmm. it is a mistake mm-hmm. will happen Absolutely. because people are under pressure and the more likely you have an adverse incident. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a massive human cost, obviously, in 3,150 deaths. It's a vicious, vicious, vicious circle. How do we solve it? 
It, it is first of all the, the way to, to solve this is to say to young doctors and nurses and paramedics coming out of their education that they will get proper pay and conditions in future and it, they can actually build a, a life here in Ireland be able to afford a, a house here in this country be able to raise a family in this country uh, and be able to have a decent life and if mm-hmm. we can prove that to the next generation of medical staff that are coming out of college, we have a far better chance of retaining them. In is the there a case way, to be made, other business. it is said sometimes, is there a case to be made, Padder, for when you come out of university, whether you're a doctor or a nurse, because you've only paid 3000 a year as in registration fee, you owe it. And that if you qualify as a doctor or qualify as a nurse, you should have to work for 10 years in the public system before you go anywhere. Would you be in, in, into that? What? I would be definitely sympathetic to the idea that if a person's uh, college fees were paid in the main by the, the, the citizens of this country, that there is a responsibility uh, on the uh, staff member to be able to commit to a number of years within the Irish Health Service. I do think that there is a there is a moral justification for a young person maybe having to spend five years within the Irish Health Service at least to make up for the investments that we the citizens have made in their career. In many other countries, people get loans out uh, for their careers and those loans are repaid back uh, over you know, 20 and 30 years as a form of nearly taxation on their salaries. But I do think that the first port of call is that the fact that we have a government who actually tolerates this level of dysfunction. And mm. I don't think they do it fully by accident as well. They, they'll tell you, they'll give you tea and sympathy and excuses and reasons. Many of these ministers are fluent in excuses. But the truth of the matter is, they have allowed a two-tier health service to, to exist, You know, where many of these people, many of their voters, many of themselves rely really on private health services, don't suffer the same level of, of waiting lists or difficulties gaining, gaining access to health care and as a result, I don't believe proper delivery of public health care is a priority for these politicians okay. because this this situation has been allowed to exist uh, over the last 10 or 15 years. The problem is it's getting worse because of the massive population increase uh, in, in the last two years. All right. I'll leave it there for no reason other than time. A leader of Into Padder Tobin. Uh, good to have you on the opinion line. Your thoughts on what he's saying. We have a mess in the health service. What are the solutions? Because... People are going to come to your door over the next 12 months telling you they'll solve it in five years. Look at them and go, you're willing your heart. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Quartz 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM. The word kicks off next Monday morning on Corks 96FM. What is it, PJ? It's a chance to win free money. Did you say free money? Yes, I said free money. You've been listening to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day long to 96FM. It's a big cash giveaway. So what's going to happen is every morning, you know what they get up to on the breakfast show. We're going to take a piece of that banter, that nonsense, and we're going to bleep out a word. And then you'll have to tell us what is the word. Sounds easy. It won't be. It's the word. So we'll pick 
piece of audio from Lorraine and Ross in the morning and we'll play it during the day with a word bleeped out. And if you can tell us what the word is, you will win the money. All right, starts next Monday on Cork's 96 FM. Play the word. Looking forward to that. It'll be fun. 0818969696, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 0833969696, and the email, opinion at 96mm.ie. I have a bunch of correspondence to clear, and I promise I will get to it. A few queries about bottle tax. Damien was back on, Damien Srinan, our bottle tax correspondent in the 96FM newsroom. It's from May, from June the 1st, all of the stock must have the logo. They've got until the end of May to get rid of the old stock and stock up with the new stuff. Damien wants to clarify that. I have other things with regard to the bottle tax that I want to come back to. But tomorrow, today is a show of Tuesday. It's also Ash, uh, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. But tomorrow's also uh, Valentine's Day. And, you know, Kate Ryan is, is writing in the echo. Look, effectively, Kate, I, I love my partner to bits. My partner loves me to bits, but we're, we're long past. She, she, staring lovingly into each other's eyes over a three-hour dinner in a place awash with other tables for two. You're ringing a bell I can hear, Kate. Good morning to you. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. How much, are you? Is much as much as we love those people we live with and have lived with for years, you know, we're 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 a bit over the Valentine's goo-eyed stuff, aren't we? Oh my God, we definitely are. Um, I mean, the last time I ever did a table for two, I vowed never again. Uh, I think it broke me when they arrived with a single red rose at the table. So uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely looking for something different. And I think times have just basically moved on, you know. Mm. Uh, a lot of people are in, in relationships for a long time. Um, relationships are different these days. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of people are single and they don't want the hassle of going out that night and still having all the pressure. So, so, you know, just going out with groups of guys or gals or mixed or whatever and just having a, just a really great night with good food, good wine, good times and absolutely no pressure, you know. So mm. that's what I'm looking for anyway. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> well, if you are married to someone or with someone for a very long, long time, you know, there's no doubt that the relationship is strong and solid. And it's, you know, you mark it, you mark the occasion with, with, with a gift or whatever, but there's other ways to do it. And you've been looking at them in in the echo. I like the idea of funky tapas. What's that? <laughs> so funky tapas is happening at the village dairy, uh, a deli in Kerry Pike, which is attached to the Ravenscourt Garden Centre, which kind of sounds pedestrian, but it's really not because Brian Phelan is head chef there, and he's a young, a young dynamic chef. He's uh, got loads of experience, done loads of travelling, and his food is generally really exciting. But the place is normally a daytime cafe. But what he's start been gearing up to since he kind of took over head, being head chef at the at the deli about probably getting on for nearly two years ago is kind of developing a bit of a farm to fork kind of ethos using the garden centre that's attached which is exciting in itself mm. and then just kind of piling all that into his own ex- experience so tapas as you know is kind of small plates exciting
bite and bites. They can take experiences and flavors from all over the world. And Brian is is very well traveled. Um, So it's just kind of that kind of thing. Very social kind of dining where you're not necessarily just ordering your standard starters, main course dessert, but ordering a series of plates together with lots of different exciting bites um, and that you can share. It's perfect for sharing. So that kind of vibe that if you want to go out with a group of couples or just a group of friends, that that is kind of what you do. You know, you just order a load of different bites, get some advice on what would pair well with that, whether that's wine, beer, whatever. Um, And, you know, and just enjoy the night with some chill back music, nice little cozy fire going on in the corner and just sort of really nicely laid back and chilled out, you know, so... Um, and what's exciting, this is the first of like a series of, of evening night, uh, evening time events that Brian has got planned uh, spanning over the spring and into the summer. Yeah. So the food is only going to get more and more exciting. As and it'll be seasonal as he goes. No, what, what I love about tapas is the fact that tapas, tapas, the food itself becomes the conversation. Because you've loads That's of dishes it. on the on the plate on the on the table, and you're trying this and you're trying this, and there's something over there that your friend has that you've never eaten, but you give it a go. That's it. That's it. So you're sharing conversation or sparking conversation. So straight away, like even if you're with a group of friends that, and maybe you don't know one or two of them too well, you can use the food as like the perfect icebreaker. Yeah. So it kind of works for dates as well, you know. But I mean, this is really kind of geared towards kind of you know more social uh, social eating rather than pressured table for two dining, okay. you know. Okay, <laughs> you've gone as well for a, a, they're doing a long table feast now. They are great, but that's is that kind of really a Valentine's Day thing? A long line of people facing one another. Uh, well, I think it is, you know, because you get to you. You don't know who you're going to sit behind, so I kind of like that sort of. I love long table dinners for that because whoever's going to be there first and foremost you're going to be there because you really love food you know you're not going to go to a long table dinner if you're not that interested in food so if you want to kind of meet like-minded people that this is a great way to do it and again you know rather than kind of sitting across from somebody for you know two or three hours you can spark conversation with the people beside you opposite you you never know who you're going to meet and I've gone to several long table feasts over the years and I've come away meeting some incredibly interesting people that I've stayed in touch with so you know I think this is just a nice kind of different way of enjoying a a spectacular meal I mean the head chef down in Ballyvalan House where the alternative St Valentine's Bash is is happening this Saturday the 17th Chris Jeffrey is is brilliant his food is fantastic and the whole vibe again at Ballyvalan house is farm to fork seasonal local food um you know it is a country house pile so there is you know that kind of element of sort of game and you know game season or fresh fish from the river or, or this kind of thing you know um, but what's really lovely at Ballyvalan house is that they also have it's the home of Bertha's revenge gin so you've got the gin distillery on site as well so the whole thing is kicking off with a freshly shaken cocktail French 75 made with the in-house made Bertha's Revenge Gin and then you have this beautiful four course meal with live entertainment as well and cocktails and you can add on an overnight stay at Ballyvalan House as well they only have a small number of rooms but it's a beautiful place if you've never been it's a bit of a splurge but it's well worth it for feeling that kind of little bit of luxury uh, and romance, but without the pressure of, again, that table for two. Long table dinners, I highly recommend them. Okay. Now, you're covering another... This movie, if I've seen it once, I've seen it 50 times, there's a passion for Some Like It Hot. And down at, is it Latitude 51, they're showing this movie while you eat. 
Yeah, so they do this in like the off season, you know, uh, it's called Cine Cafe. It runs for a season and the next one that they're running is actually running tomorrow night on the 14th of February. I've just checked as well and they do have a couple of spots left. So for basically what they do is they they show a movie and then they provide bites and tastes and wine pairings that are inspired from the movie. So one of the things, I don't know if you're like really into your movies or how much we actually pay attention to the food that is uh, in films and TV shows and everything, but there's like a whole kind of area of TV food, if you like, or movie right, food, right, right. where food is used as a cr- uh, prop basically in the movie or how a movie can be interpreted. So Sydney Cafe is kind of taking that and actually making it much more interactive. So as, I don't know, if there was a canapé that kind of gets served or a cocktail that gets served during the movie, you're sipping that as the actors on the screen are, are enjoying it as well. So it's a, just a new way to kind of experience classic movies and there's nothing more classic than some like it hot and again it is like a, a romancy kind of movie but in typical Marilyn Monroe though. style you know it's funny yeah you know so and you're all together kind of laughing having a bit of wine a bit of food watching this incredible cafe up upstairs in the uh, in the in the long room in latitude 51 so it's a great way to kind of revisit old old movies and experience them in a different way but again in a really highly social setting quality food quality wines yeah. and it's 50 euro per person i mean it's a bit of a bargain to be honest now you run the risk of getting a slap of the nearest blunt object if you suggest to your partner on valentine's day we're going to a food truck but but <laughs> the yellow submarine i've heard about these guys mm, yeah so this is i have some news on this as well so the yellow submarine is uh is run by two brothers that are originally from liverpool but their mum is originally their mother is originally from cork so they've come back to cork and for the last kind of year or so they've been going around north cork east cork and just propping over the border into Dungarvan uh, with their bright yellow food trucks serving the most incredible burgers, kind of, uh, you know, smash burgers, butter, buttermilk fried chicken, which, you know, I'd, I'd go through somebody for a really good buttermilk fried chicken sandwich um, and just like these kind of really dirty toppings, you know. So <laughs> if you're really, really into a really good burger and I think, you know, I think there's a there are very few things actually that can be a really well made put together burger. Then this is the place to go. And I just kind of feel like, you know, in terms of we're talking alternative Valentine's, there's nothing more alternative than wrapping up, braving the weather, and heading to a bright yellow submarine and sharing a burger with somebody that you kind of like spending time with, or just going for yourself, which I would to be honest if, mm. if I were doing this. But the exciting bit of news about this. Um, is that actually from St. Patrick's Day, they're going to be opening up their first bricks and mortar place in Formoy. So that's something to look out for. But in terms of this Valentine's week, they'll be cropping up in various different places around the county. So Carrigaline, Blarney, Formoy, Mitchellstown, all over this week. And you can check their socials on Instagram at Yellow Submarine Supper Club. And that's where they reveal exactly where in Carrigaline or Blarney that they're going to be. Cool. So uh, I think it's just this really good food, really fun, and it's something very, very different for people people to try out. People can check out your article in, in The Echo, Kate. Um, we'll share as well the few more on it. We'll be here all day talking about things to do, but you know, we all, you, you mark the occasion, but like you said, the, 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 goo, the goo-eyed nonsense across the, the red tablecloth for those who've been with each other for a long time, that's, that's a bit, it's a bit gone out the window, isn't it? 
It really is. And like, wouldn't you rather kind of like look lovingly into the eyes of somebody you like while sinking your teeth into a massive burger? I think that's more love than anything else, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't talk in your mouthful. <laughs> Kate, thank you very much, Kate Ryan, uh, writing in the Echo about some of the different things you might want to do for Valentine's Day. I, I often feel a bit sorry for the the catering people, the restaurant people, when it falls in midweek like it does tomorrow. Because it's the weekend that everyone will want to go out. Um, I'd wonder, I wonder our places, if anyone is booked out, they can tell us. Anyone booked out for tomorrow night? Completely slammed. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm on the bottle tax, uh, etc. In this day and age, Christ, I sound old. <laughs> Keep your receipt. Uh, take the bottle bank receipt, that's more paper, to the till. Why in God's green earth in 2024 is all this not on an app that you can scan at the bottle bank? Scan it in store to take the money off your shop or get money back. I think it's a good idea, but like most things, they've found the most convoluted way to make a hames of it. Says Kev, ah, yeah, well, you know yourself now, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that idea. I do like that idea that your QR code reader on your phone could read the QR on your bottle and stack it into an account for you and then every so often I like that but that'd be something that clever plugs would do Kev Morning PJ, just wondering if you could ask your listeners if they have seen 5 litre water bottles, we're on a boil water notice here in Whitegate again lads and since the return scheme was introduced they seem to have disappeared entirely from the shelves, and that is from Sinead. I'm genuinely confused about this new thing. What's it solving? Were we not recycling our stuff anyway? We were, but not enough of us recycling enough of it. Yes, those of us who do recycle and are careful about it, you might feel a bit hard done by all of this, but at least you're going to get some money back. People who didn't recycle were just dumping their bottles in bins and ditches and sides of the road, whatever, and they've discovered to be fair, they've discovered in other countries where they've done this, that it reduces the level of litter recyclable litter that could have been properly recycled 0818 96 96 and then where is the romance? Come back to the Valentines, and I just said to Kate and she, like, when you've been in a relationship for a very long time, I don't know, is is, is the sort of goo-eyed dewy-eyed nonsense, is that still there? Because I would have thought you're sitting there looking into one another's eyes across the dinner table and the wine and all that and she says, oh shite, did I turn off the immersion? Do you know, things like that come into the conversation. (laughs) Where's the romance gone? If I had a partner, I would hope romance would still be in our blood. (laughs) Yeah. Someone said to me one time, romance is about doing something nice that isn't expected. See? But thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM. You're currently on 9 out of 10. Okay, your question 10 was who wrote the novel American Gods? You said Neil Gaiman. The answer, unfortunately, is Neil Gaiman. You've got 
happy questions in there. Uh, Look, so you did to well. Here's uh, to listen, girl. Oh my, my God, God, we'll be making a promo out of you. <laughs> <laughs> the two grand minute with Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. Quick mention for one of my favourite writers. As you know, I'm a huge supporter of Irish fiction, Irish crime fiction, Irish crime fiction writers. And um, in particular, a guy called Shane Dunphy, who writes under the name of S.A. Dunphy. He's brought out two books in the one week, and he has a third one coming. This is his latest season or his latest series of books, uh, Little Witness is the first one. And it's it features new characters and new stories, but it's based on police investigations and Shane's own background, which is in child protection and child welfare. I cannot wait to read them. Little Witness is the first one of the two that are out and a third one to come. And I wish him well with those, I really, really do. And if you know his writing, you'll know he's so good. And moreover, if you happen to have one of these Amazon uh, Kindle Unlimited subscriptions, as I have, Kindle Unlimited, like a, it's like a library. You can borrow from it. All of his books, and they're brilliant books, are all on the Kindle Unlimited library system. So have a look at that. Shane Dunphy, S.A. Dunphy. 0818 to Ballancolleg. And the local soccer club there, Ballancolic AFC, they've issued a statement. Uh, Gordon Murphy joins me. Gordon, you're in dispute. Is is it with Irish Water or with the council or both? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, well, I suppose if I can give you the potted history very briefly to sure. this issue, which has kind of been going on for, for almost 25 years at this stage. Um, if you remember, the barracks in Ballancolleg uh, was uh, decommissioned at the end of the 90s, the early 2000s, um, and part of that property was sold off for development. And as part of the agreement, um, some element of the lands was ring fence for sporting and recreational. And as part of that deal, it was agreed with the Ministry for Defence that um, some of the lands, which is the area at the landing field of Ballancolleg, would be assigned over to our club, Ballancolleg AFC. Now, the mechanism for that was that the property would first be uh, sold uh, uh, for a nominal fee from the Department of Defence to the local authority at the time, Cork County Council. And then thereafter, it would be assigned on a long lease, a 999-year lease, to our club mm. uh, at a peppercorn rent. Now, the first what's, what's part... What's a peppercorn that, rent, Gordon? It's it's a effectively, you know, a peppercorn in, in the olden days, but, I mean, effectively nominal rent, so maybe 10 euro uh, or 10 euro a year okay. or something okay. like that. Okay. Um, so the first part of that deal uh, was carried out. Now, it did take a, a number of years for the assignment from the Department of Defence to the local authority, um, but from the mid-2000s, we have essentially been waiting for the second part of that to be realised, which is the assignment from the local authority to ourselves. Um, we, there was quite a number of years where we were kind of dealing with radio silence from Cork County Council and t- trying to get the matter resolved. Um, it, bring it up to 2017, we did, in 2017, get a 999-year lease sent over to us by Cork County Council. 
which was signed and completed in good faith by the officers of our club, mm. sent back to Cork County Council and appeared to disappear into a black hole there because it was never executed or completed by Cork County Council. I see. As you know, then, Ballancolig, uh, the boundaries was, were redrawn and we, yeah. we came within the city division. Uh, so since since that period over the last number of years, we have been trying to get the matter, I suppose, over the line with Cork City Council. And I would say, in fairness, our interaction and dialogue with the relevant departments in Cork City Council has been more positive in the last number of years to the point where we've we've met them on site in March last year. We met them on site at the landing field and agreed a location for our proposed development of our clubhouse and dressing rooms, uh, agreed the boundaries, um, and everything appeared to be going swimmingly. Um, Fast forward to November of 2023, uh, 24th of November, I have an email there from Cork City Council to myself saying that we would have the draft terms of our lease over to us and our legal representatives that week. That doesn't happen. Um, We were hoping to be in a position to announce it to our members and our supporters prior to to Christmas. It would have been a nice Christmas present. What I'm getting at, Gordon, is the ground is yours, but it's not yet. Correct? Exactly. You don't have full legal title to it. And I suppose the importance of that, PJ, is, and and some of your listeners will be aware, for us to make an application for major uh, sports capital funding from uh, the relevant departments, Mm. we need to have legal title to the property. Uh, Having a license from the local authority is not enough. You can only apply for small equipment grants. So we want to develop the property. We want to develop the clubhouse. We want to ultimately uh, develop a full 4G, 5G pitch. So, so what's happening our... here is you've got this wonderful ground, which you're kind of on a promise since forever. Yeah. Uh, you're The, the promise being it will be years, but you can't get it, it so you happened. can do nothing with it, and it hasn't happened. And, and it now, hasn't happened, and we can't develop it, and the problem is we're falling and now inter, behind. inter Irish I mean, water, what's going on here? Well, this is the thing, and this is completely, I suppose, out of the blue... So obviously the lease doesn't realise in uh, December 2023. I have a brief communication from Cork City Council in late December prior to Christmas saying, look, there is there is an issue, a small issue whereby the rights away for a water treatment plant which adjoins the property needs to be looked at. That didn't cause us huge concern. We felt that was a that, that we still felt that the lease would be completed in early in the new year, January 2024, and just a question of agreeing the rights away, the access. We understood it to be simply access. They might need require some access. Friday evening, um, last Friday evening, out of the blue, we our chairperson Jerry McNamara got a call from a local representative, Councillor Colum Kelleher, um, to advise us that, has, as he had understood it, an issue had now arisen whereby Ishka Aaron, Irish Water, as we know it, um, would be looking to extend a water treatment plant into this land, which we consider to be our lands, and it looked like a significant portion of the area where we, we had agreed that our clubhouse would be developed and also the access road in would be acquired by Irish Water. This is the first we had heard of it. We had received no formal communication from Cork City Council. So when we break this down again Say, for the benefit of people who are trying to catch up, Gordon. So you've been this this yeah. land has been on a promise to you 
since forever. Since, the, the, since early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the change of council came and it became county council and now a city council matter. You got over that particular yes. hurdle. You were waiting for the lease and waiting for the lease and waiting for the lease and waiting for the lease. Now you discover you haven't yet got the lease, which means that you can't do anything to develop the ground. And now you hear that Ishka Aaron Stoke Irish Water want to take over a chunk of it. Exactly. I mean, there's a grab of some portion of the land where it's not clear yet how much, but the indication is certainly that it will impact upon where we had agreed to put our development of dress rooms. It will impact on where a car parking was to be. I mean, PJ, having two pitches is all well and good, but as you know, you need the facilities to go along with it. Um, you, you know, we look at it, we have our na- near neighbours here, Lake would have tremendous facilities. You go to Carrigline, they have tremendous facilities. I was down on Side in Little Island at the weekend and they have an amazing new uh, astro pitch development. That's that's what we've been looking and we have planned to develop on the on the once we have this lease in place and we have it. a development plan for that and we can't do it. We've lost out on hundreds of thousands of um, capital funding over the years because of this. Where look, we're a voluntary organisation. How many how many members and players and particularly young players? We have approximately six hundred and fifty members. Wow. We have a thriving academy. I mean, last Saturday saw our street leagues for our academy, which are all under eleven, uh, commence and they'll run for the next couple of weeks. And they were it was a, they were amazing days. Just hundreds of kids playing football. We have a great team of volunteers who are they're all volunteers, just giving up their time to try and provide this this sporting and recreation facilities for our children. And we want them to have the same facilities that other children and other clubs have. Yeah. And they're entitled to it. All yeah. these kids are. Yeah. So it's extremely upsetting. It's first- you believe the children are being treated like second, second class citizens. A- absolutely. Absolutely you do. I, I mean, I, I, I just... Look, we're a volunteering organisation. We're just here to try and provide them with these facilities. And we can't. And that's the frustrating thing. Mm. You know, we have these plans. We have tremendous people involved in the club. And we can't drive it forward. We're, we're literally hamstrung. Have you a course of action that you can take? Well, at, at, look, I suppose, you know, one criticism that people could have of us, maybe we've been too patient. We've taken, we've taken promises and promises have been broken time after time. But I mean, I certainly felt over the last two years that we had really good dialogue with the city council and we were getting to the point where, I mean, look, if November of last year we were understood that, you know, this long lease was going to be with us, we really felt we, and we have our plans in place, we were going to step forward. This is really kind of, you're back to square one again. I'd be suggesting Gordon, and I wouldn't be stirring now, or we won't forest stirring, said he, who's been stirring for a living for 30 years or more. I would suggest that it is an election year, it is a local election year, there are people are going to be knocking on the doors of your 650 members looking for votes and I'd be inclined to think sort this mess out and you might get our vote No, absolutely and look, there has been work done by local representatives in fairness uh, by some, not all, and some better than others to be absolutely frank Um, but look, you know how you know how local politics works, you know, it, it is limited as to what they as elected Oh, yeah. You know, representatives can do as well if, I suppose, the will isn't there from the executive or the people driving the officers within city council. So their power, their know, powers are limited. But the only power they have is to make noise in the appropriate it's, it's, places. Yeah, exactly. It's lobbying and pro- persuasion, and 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 that is good up to a point. But we really need some answers from the city council as to how they're going to resolve this. Look, 
this is very fresh news to us. If it's the case that Irish Water are going to come in and want to take this land that the local authority intends to exceed that request, well, where's the, where, you know, provide us with a, an alternative proposal. You know, okay. sit down with us. Okay. See what our options are. But okay. I mean, certainly if you're asking what, what our steps are available, yes, it's, as I said, it's, it's fairly fresh news. We will be taking counsel from our legal representatives and see what options okay. uh, there are there. S- stay there um, one second. We're not going to take a line down. Okay. Stay there for me a second, Gordon, if you would, please, because Councillor Colin Kelleher has has phoned in. Colm, they're not going to take it lying down. You, you, you couldn't blame them, could you? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Not, not, not so there, PJ. Look, um, and good morning, Gordon. Yeah, no, look, um, I spoke with the chairperson of the club uh, on Friday morning. I received a call from the executive um, highlighting the issue that had now arisen uh, by Irish Water. I'm absolutely amazed um that Irish Water decided to put a pony in the race this this late in the game. To be honest with you, um, as Gordon has outlined to you, like this, these lands were promised to the club 25 years ago by the then Minister of Defence, Minister Smith, um, and it's it's just been a quagmire after quagmire for the last number of years. I, when I was elected four years ago. I decided to tackle this head on because the club approached me and said, look, this is the lay of the land. We, we were promised A, B and C. Um, and uh, so we, we had a look at it. Now, there was no numerous issues in relation to um, council, Cork City Council, mm. um, basically um, giving the lease. Zoning was one of them, which was resolved in the last city development plan. The, 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 the lands in question were actually zoned as agricultural in the county, if you can believe it or not. So there, there's, there's been a lot of false dawns in relation to the club. Mm. Can, can it be fixed, Colin? It can. It can. So, look, I spoke with um, council uh, about two weeks ago. This is something that I've been chipping away at like like, like a dog with a bone, now, PJ, to be honest with you, for four years. Um, and basically, um, about 12 months ago, maybe 24 months ago, um, myself and the two other elected representatives from Cork City Council visited the club, along with representatives of the council. We outlined the issues, the council outlined the issues that the club had faced, and said, look, we can move the clubhouse here, the two pitches will be here, and um, we can drive on. Um, everything that, every obstacle that was put in place has been resolved. And I expected to get a call last Friday morning to say, listen, this is going to be on the agenda, we're going to sign, seal and deliver it, and the club will get their lease. Um, and then Irish Water came back and said, well, look, we may or we may not need this in the future. Um, the council said, look, that's not good enough. Um, it was conveyed to the club before Christmas that you know, Irish Water questions. Mm. Um, Irish Water um, have been very, very slow in coming back to Cork City Council. Um, I'm hoping to have maps this morning. Um, I, I brought it up uh, with one of the executives uh, on a sidebar of the council meeting last night and he said that he'd be hopefully to have maps today. When we get the maps, we'll see what Irish Water may or may not want. And um, I would be hopeful that the club and represent myself and other elected members and representatives from the executive can sit down and hammer this out. Well, here's, well, here's hoping that can happen, Colin, because it, it certainly, if they're waiting 25 years for it, it's it's a joke. It's gone on. This right. okay, and well, like they're 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 prohibited from applying for national sports capital funding. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're at a disadvantage to the other clubs. Do, 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 do his words encourage you, Gordon? Lastly. Look, uh, well, while I'm on, PJ, I do want to thank Cullum. Cullum has been working quite hard and in tandem with us. And in fairness, you know, you one wonders 
if Colin didn't ring our chairperson last Friday when we would have found out this news because I didn't I didn't receive any formal uh, email or communication from the city council in respect to this issue. So we are thankful for for Colin's efforts. I suppose in respect of I remain skeptical because. Um, Irish Water, just by the mere positioning of where they are in terms of 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 the water treatment plant, if they're seeking to encroach in any in any way from that into what we consider to be our lands, it's going to be on the area the the area where the access road is, where parking is, and where the proposed uh, dressing rooms and yeah. clubhouse are. So. I you know I I await to see what what alternative solution can be put okay. up to that, but. You know, I, I don't know how you can do that without creating a separate access way, and I really can't envisage that. Okay. Um, so, I remain. Look, I, we've been told, and I, I, you know, I hate to be harping on, and Colm has said the same thing over the years. We've been told we're nearly there. We're nearly there. We just have to sort out this, and that problem is sorted out. Yeah. And another one, Dennis, is thrown up. I'm going yeah. to leave it there with you, Gordon, and indeed with you, Councillor Colin Kelleher, because it's one we'll follow, because it is an interesting one. It really is an interesting one in that you have uh, Irish Water now looking for a chunk of something that uh, this club have wanted for such a long time and 600-odd children involved. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Put that on a file, lads. Open up a folder and put that into a filing cabinet and we'll keep an eye on it. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Kevin Cronin, you got in touch with us because your dog was injured by fishing lines. Morning. Morning. Oh, yeah. Hi, what uh, happened? Yeah. Um, it was a few weeks ago. Um, I was down in the Titanic Park in Cove. Yeah. Uh, just walking the dogs and uh, I have two golden retrievers. Nice. Um, one of them as we were walking along by the wall, you know, he, he like dropped his head down. I, I saw that he was going for something. And uh, by the time I managed to get see what it was, he'd swallowed. The, I could see the fishing line coming out of his mouth. Uh. Yeah, so uh, he bit he bit through the, the line and dropped away. And he obviously swallowed what, what was in his mouth. But I followed the line and sure the, the line was wrapped around the other dog's legs then as well. And oh. All the hooks were in his paws and all that. But... Um, I just brought him straight to the vet. Uh, we had to go up to Blackpool, the sunbeam up there. Yeah. And um, they kept him in overnight. Uh, so there was two two hooks in his stomach. I think one was lodged in the lining of his stomach and the other one was just inside. And then there was a third one um, in his throat. It was lodged in his tongue. Right. Oh, um, so they had, yeah. They, they managed to remove him anyway. They were able to put the camera down and get him out. But... Um, yeah, so he was in overnight, and he was a bit, you know, a bit shaky for a few days. Um, yeah, but I, I took him for a walk. Then a couple of days later, I just said I'd go down and have a look, see if there was any more there. And sure, there was a, even more down there the next yeah. next time I went down. So I think your your appeal to people who go fishing is, for goodness' sake, yeah. take yeah. take your lines home with you. Yeah, but it's, it's not just there as well. There's the the deep water key there down. And the other end of um, you know, even just the other day, I was walking down there, and there was a long line of hooks just lying on the on the ground. Yeah, and it's not just hooks as well. There's like all bits and pieces that you use for fishing. I, I don't know. I don't fish, so I don't. I don't know what you call <laughs> yeah, you don't fish, but neither does your dog, and he doesn't need any hooks in his throat. As a reminder of his walk, 
Kevin, thank you. There's a reminder, please, 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 from Kevin. If you are fishing, and it's a great pastime, I'm sure, and you enjoy it, please just gather up your lines and take them home and take your hooks home. And don't leave hooks lying around where dogs might be walking and get them caught around their legs and swallow them and all of that. Kevin, thank you. Kevin Cronin, 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Promise I'll come back to that Guinness thing tomorrow and I think we might be going to do some experimentation in connection with it too. This fella in London, uh, a fella who says, he says, Nate Brown, that you don't need to pour Guinness in two sections, that it's only a marketing tool, that you can actually pour a pint of Guinness in one go and that it's a perfectly good pint of Guinness. I and probably thousands more like me who drink Guinness would beg to differ. We'll not only talk about it, but we'll actually experiment with it. In the days to come. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now Maureen Hickey is living the dream. I'm reading from Timothy O'Mahony's wonderful column in the Echo, Corcronians Broad. Uh, Maureen living the dream as a professional musician based in Paris, but speaking to us today, I think from from Bordeaux. Morning. Good morning. From Bordeaux, yes. I'm uh, playing with the orchestra here for a week. Bordeaux National Opera, Beethoven and Mozart. And that's what you do, isn't it? You tr- you are a professional violinist, have fiddle, will travel. Basically, yeah. I travel wherever wherever I'm needed um, <laughs> to play concerts, uh, mostly in Europe. This month is pretty busy. Like I just got back from uh, Spain and I was in Paris for just like a day and then I went to Bordeaux and then um, after this I'm coming back to Cork so um, this is a busy month. <laughs> I will talk about that in a minute. When did you first start playing a violin? Um, just before I turned three. <laughs> three? <laughs> Two and three quarters. <laughs> yeah. My dad, Mick, he just really, really loves music and wanted me to get started as soon as possible. <laughs> so... <laughs> My grandmother, um, so his mom, actually uh, played Irish trad fiddle. So um, I kind of grew up listening to my dad play and um, and her playing as well. And so I guess that my dad, you know, had a weakness for <laughs> for the violin. And I think I made the decision for myself when I was about when I was around fifteen. Right. Um, you know, to really take it really, really seriously. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in Paris and why did you choose to go there? Um, I've been in Paris now for about five years. Um, so I was studying, I did all of my studies in, in Germany and um, I just kind of wanted a change of scene and Paris is, you know, I'm traveling all the time. So Paris is really, really well connected. I can travel to nearly anywhere by train which is my preferred form of travelling. Yeah. The, the, the trains of France are beautiful because the, the countryside is gorgeous. I, I, I'm totally with you on that one, although it's been quite a while since I was in, since I was in Paris. It's, it's a wonderful city. It is, definitely. There's just, um, you know, there's always something to do. You can just 
go for a walk and you'll you could be out for the rest of the day because you'll keep finding things that um you want to join and it's great the french are very artistic and in paris it's almost isn't it it's almost like a little capital of the arts um, it is. It's kind of just like a, a big uh, cultural hub, I guess. You know, there's so much music. They've got one of the best operas in the world, ballet. And then they've got, you know, at night, if you go into any bar, that's you know, you can get live music, any type of music that you want. Um, you can find it somewhere mm-hmm. in Paris. Yeah, you get some people doing ballads and then you can do, you get opera in the next bar because that's how they are. That's what they do. And cafes are huge with them as well. They, they, I remember the last time I was there and it's, it's 20 years or more since I was in Paris, but there were little tiny cafes everywhere. Is that still the case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the during the day, it's a cafe, and then uh, during the night, when it at some point after maybe like six, six, seven o'clock, then it kind of turns into more of a bar. Yeah. Now, being a professional musician, you are playing music all day. Uh, so, how do you find a place to live? You've got to have patient neighbours. I suspect. That is one of the biggest uh, problems for musicians, I think, and especially in Paris, because, um, you know, we all live in apartments and small apartments. So that means you've got a lot of neighbours. And I'm actually really, really lucky now. Fingers crossed, touch wood. I'm trying to find some wood here. (laughs) Um, But I did have a problem with a previous neighbour. And it's just, you know, it's really, it's just stressful because, um, we have to practice, you know, there's not, there's no way around it. Yeah, um, and they're knocking on the door complaining, I'm sorry, I'm working. This is my work. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, then they say, well, I'm working too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you've good name, you've good name. Is there a piano in the apartment as well? Yes, we have a, well, it's an upright um, because my boyfriend is a pianist. Um, so we have an upright piano and they actually, the, the the piano movers, it was just a couple, a man and a woman. And she was, I mean, I'm not very big and the woman was smaller than me. And they just strapped it onto themselves somehow and went up the six stairs. Yeah, I was just going to ask, so you've got a piano <laughs> in an apartment yeah. on what floor? Six. We're on the top floor. <laughs> they don't fit in lifts. No, the lift. We actually, a lot of apartments don't actually um, have lifts. We do, but um, it's way too small for a piano. And so they just, you know, uh, walked up six flights of stairs with a piano kind of strapped onto their backs between the two of them. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> when they came to the door and took the piano out of the back of the van... That must have been an interesting moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's their profession. So they do this all day. Like, that's their specialty. Right. Um, but it came down four floors um, out of the last apartment and then up six floors. So um, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, darn sure it is. The other thing I remember, and it's, it's quite some time since I was in Paris, but I, I was there on springtime and... Early in the morning, you go out for a walk and everywhere there's the smell of bread. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favourite things about Paris. And, you know, even sometimes if I get into um, Paris early when I'm travelling, you can even smell it in the metro. Um, You know, if I have an early train or something, you can actually smell it even before you get out of the metro, which is... um, it's just lovely. <laughs> of course, the metro is the best public transport system. Like, it's just, it's just awesome. In Paris, 
like you said, it's it's hugely connected. An awful lot of people would go there, say, from Cork on their way to any other part of the world. But as a place to go for a weekend, like if someone wanted to pack up their bags here and head off over to Paris for a long weekend, Neve, what would you recommend they do? What would you recommend they see? I mean, I would definitely try and see an opera or a ballet because it's just... I mean, they've got two opera houses. They've got like a new one in Bastille, which is wonderful and impressive. But then they have the gorgeous um, Garnier Opera House. And, um, you know, it's just this old style architecture. Gorgeous. They've got gold ornaments all over. Um, it's just amazing. Um, and, and the roof is was painted by Chagall. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah, and and the cathedral, Notre Dame. Then is is that open again? I know the fire was there a few years ago, devastated. Is it open? It's not open yet, but apparently it should be open soon. I actually live um, very near there, oh. so I see it every day. The idea was to have it in time for the Olympics. Now you're back in Cork at the end of the month for a very special festival. I actually started with a friend of mine, Sinead O'Halloran, and I think I was 17 when we first started talking about it um, because we were both studying abroad and we were thinking that it would just be really nice to have something in Cork where we can come back every year and play with friends at home or bring other musicians over that we've met and traveling and just have a nice week and nice concerts and nice music. So it's the Artist Festival and it's on at the end of February. We have six uh, concerts from the 25th of February until the 3rd of March. A couple of concerts in Cork City and then also in Bantry, Middleton and uh, Mitchellstown. All of the information is on the website, which is ortusfestival.ie. It's O-R-T-U-S. And you can get tickets on the website as well. Excellent. Well, well, safe trip home for that. Uh, Safe travels for, for the rest of the week. Great to talk to you. And, and thank you for you being too. with me on the programme. Thank you very much. Cheers, Moraid. Thank you. Moraid Hickey, living the life, living the dream. I love talking to people like that, the living the dream. She just got her first violin when she was three. And now she's living the dream as a professional violinist all over the world. You really would be jealous about someone like that, wouldn't you? Thanks a bunch. 0818 96 Live is back this weekend at 96fm.ie with Trevor and the team, all powered up by Talk Sport. Uh, this weekend, live coverage of Brentford against Liverpool at 12.30, Burnley v Arsenal at 3, and Manchester City against Chelsea at half past 5. Premier League Live Online, brought to you by Harvey Norman, the home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Quark's 96FM app, or indeed you're going to 96FM.ie. That is about it. Programme edited by Imar O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts up shortly. And we shall talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Enjoy the pancakes. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.